Welcome. Hold on. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast. This is show 218. And um, we're fired up. We're doing another live blab here. And we've got, so that means that we are each in our own homes, which is kind of dope. Um, I am D-Rex on the screen with me, usually to the left, but now on the screen in the upper right is Houdini. Uh, not across the way, but down in the bottom left is Pyro Anthony uh, Stag Party. Uh, and then we got Pyromaniac Mo on as well. And today we are going to be talking about all the awesomeness that's happening in free agency because it was a serious, serious day with transactions in the last uh, couple days. It's just been so much fun, people bouncing all over the place. So we'll talk a little bit about our collective tiers, which is one of the original topics we were going to talk about on the show. But since we delivered those about two or three nights ago and with all this action that's happening um, we decided that uh, we kind of needed to update our tiers. So what's up, guys? Uh, we fired up to talk some fantasy football and get the goo rolling for our pyros? Absolutely. Yeah. Bring it on, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we're going to try and do some sound bites during the show today, guys. We hope they sound good. Um, but let's, uh, let's get into the action. You know, we got a uh, – Oh, brother. Hold on. This is, is going to be... Shut oh. <laughs> up. Um, technology is fun. We just had. We just tried to get Dogmatica into the mix for the last 20 minutes. We couldn't do it because Blab only allows us to have four people on the uh, show and on the video screen at once. So um, Dogmatica is going to not be a part of this. Maybe we'll get him on the show a little bit later. But user error... Um, so what's, what do you guys think? Let's someone start with an interesting, uh, you know, I think the Texans, uh, the best, I don't know whether you or, um, OC posted that retweeted the Texans, uh, Twitter post today, but it was a bunch of the minions clapping and being hyper and going crazy because they had themselves a big day today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they added a quarterback for $18 million a year with seven starts under his belt. So you could debate whether that was a good signing. But when you've been in the land of Brian Hoyer and bad Matt Schaub the last couple of years, you know, you got to make a move here and there. So that that might be worth the risk. We'll see how that pays off. That's going to be a major question mark. But then they do get a proven running back, which is the exciting factor. Uh, Lamar Miller coming over to where – in 26 of 32 games, they've given a, a running back at least 15 carries in a game. So, and that's just one running back. So he should, you know, get a more even workload. So I am loving Lamar Miller already. I was already having him in the, se- you know, 7-8 range on my tiers. And he'll probably end up, like, right around the running back five, right behind, like, David Johnson. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I agree. I think this is a, a fantastic thing for Lamar Miller. Uh, you know, especially too, because even, even if he would have stayed in Miami in Adam Gase's offense there, look at what it did did or didn't do for Matt Forte last year. It wasn't as good as uh, Forte had seen in some previous seasons. So I, I think definitely with Osweiler too, you're not having a quarterback who's really going to open it up. You're going to be expecting to play safe. So you're going to lean on the run. So finally, Lamar Miller, where 
those games where he was going off in the first half with about 90 yards on 12 carries and then would finish the game with 15 carries for 96 yards, he's going to get 25 carries in those games. So uh, it makes a huge impact. And I, and I think that the other interesting aspect is, is with Brock Osweiler deciding to go to Houston and stick it to Denver. So, you know, here's here's Denver who just won the Super Bowl, and now they don't have Peyton Manning who retired, and the guy who they had been grooming for all these years uh, felt uh, spurned by the fact that they let Peyton take everything back over and said, screw you, I'm going to Houston. Yeah, well, that was the most interesting part of the story to where it was like, oh, you know, John Elway, you know, they thought they might have had a deal for the $12 million range, and now it gets up to 18 in Houston, and the guaranteed money's more. But, yeah, it's probably the fact that he felt spurned. Like, you know, they they bypassed him as the starter for the playoffs. So, you know, why do you want to go back? It, I guess he wasn't involved in that, you know, situation too much, and he hasn't been returning coaches' calls, former teammates' calls since the start of the offseason. And he, he just sort of removed himself from the situation. So, you know, I can't blame the guy for leaving. You know, you want to make your, blaze your own trail, and you can't do that between on a team where you've had John Elway, you've had, you know, Peyton Manning in the last couple of years. You know, who the Houston Texans have, like the, the best quarterback in their history is Matt Schaub, right? <laughs> so you got a lot better chance to do well there. Yeah, um, with Osweiler going there, I think it certainly helps DeAndre to actually have, a, even though we've got a small sample size with Osweiler, I think it helps DeAndre, not only having a, a legitimate quarterback there, but also having um, a, a legitimate running back for defenses to have to pay attention to. And uh, I was just talking to Christopher Harris today. I did a fantasy football talk for the Pyro Light, which will release this weekend. And we both were kind of saying the same thing that um, we've always kind of liked Lamar Miller over the years. There's always kind of been something, you know, for a guy with such speed. Uh, we, we kept waiting for him to be more of a home run hitter. But one of the consensus I think we came to is that he's never really had a chance. He's only had one season where they've afforded him over 200 carries. Uh, owners know from last year how frustrating it was. I mean, I think there were six games where he did not get double-digit carries, and I think Houston, we're going to see what Lamar really has. And I got to say, even though he hasn't been afforded many carries, he's done phenomenally well. I think fifth in uh, PPR, sixth in standard last year, even with the low amount of carries he got. uh, I think Houston in the offense, and Stags, this is something you and I were just kind of tweeting back and forth. Um, You kind of liked Houston for Lamar with that Bill O'Brien it's not quite the one cut and go Patriots, but it's very, very similar. And uh, I think you were kind of saying that you liked uh, Lamar in that offense. Yeah, I like that offense more than I like the Dallas offense uh, for Lamar Miller, potentially just with the outside weapons and then how they will feature him. Cause you know, they will feature him. Even if he went to Dallas, they would have given uh run DMC some carries here and there, but this shall be a feature role. Uh, yeah. I, I think he gets a ton of work. They're, they're just going to be involved. Their offensive line is highly athletic, uh, even though they're replacing, you know, a guard, Dwayne Brown, uh, out for, you know, Jeff Allen. So their offensive line is good, good at run blocking. They run a little bit of zone blocking schemes. They run some power. They run a little bit of everything. And then DeAndre on the outside, the verticality that he can bring, you know, what, what sort of vertical stretch did he ever have in Miami? You know, Rashard Matthews, right. me, I mean, you know, Devontae Parker towards the end there. 
but most of their offense was within the five yards because nobody was scared of uh, Ryan Tannehill, you know, throwing that ball deep. I think he's going to have a ton of running lane. I think just the offense as a whole is going to be very effective. And when they give him uh, uh, 18 touches, because he's also very good at touch or catching the ball out of the backfield. And they were able to feature Arian Foster last year on his bum, bum knee doing that. So he's going to be able to do everything. His main competition will be like Alfred blue, who has one of the lowest yards per carry, you know, averages in the history of the NFL. So that's not a guy you're really worried about. Um, you know, talking about bringing back other guys that are like gadget players, Jonathan Grimes, you know, complimentary backs. So it's going to be Lamar Miller's show. Uh, I, I like this offense because it's one of those things that hits all the things you're looking for. It's got a, you know, number one receiver. It's got a number one running back. It, they should have a couple complimentary pieces at receiver. You know, depending on the development of Ryan Griffin next season, they should have a solid tight end game. And we saw that uh, during the season that Brock likes to throw to the tight end. So, I think it's just an interesting developing offense. Now the question is, can the chemistry come together? Because we saw with last year's Eagles that it didn't happen. And it eventually happened really late. Well, the good news is that they are in the best division to not have to worry about that. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about getting, you know, the, the Colts and the Jaguars. And um, uh, who's the other team that I'm forgetting that's in their division? Titans. Tennessee Titans, Titans. So you got you got you got a real a real strong division there. He's got a great defense. The, the one point that I want to make is though also about Brock Osweiler. I want to bring it back to Osweiler. He got the big money, eighteen million, and I want to believe uh, it was Denver was offering him sixteen million to stay. But you realize this is all on seven games started, and it is very eerily similar to the seven games started in the huge contract that Scott Mitchell got. Uh, when he was uh, for the Dolphins and then signed with the Detroit Lions. So uh, are we looking at the next Scott Mitchell here? I think they're hoping that the demanding tutelage and uh, having a good quarterback coach and Gase before he split for Chicago and then Miami and having a good coaching staff, having a Hall of Famer in L.A., um, hopefully that kind of mentorship will will lead into. But it's risky as hell. I mean, everyone – I got a bunch of texts from people just talking football today, not over Twitter or whatever, and it was all like $78 million for Brock Osweiler? Whoa, what do you think about this, D? And it's just – it's a lot of money. I mean, that is a huge frigging contract. And, you know, I was reading that, that basically L.A. knew last week to kind of go, to go on uh, with what uh, – with what Stag Party was saying a little earlier, it's like they knew they kind of knew Brock wasn't coming back, so they're not surprised by this whatsoever. And uh, it, the truth is, I like it for Houston, but there it comes with a lot of risk. He could certainly be the next Scott Mitchell. He could certainly there's a lot of players that have. I mean, he could be what Matt Castle uh, had his opportunity for the Patriots, and then where did he go? Was that the Chiefs? Um, look what happened there and then you know so you just don't know what you're gonna get but it's a it's a it's a super um the situation as any houston fan is a lot better now what look at the look at the flip side what if they had gotten rg3 what if they had gotten you know kaepernick what if they had gone and grabbed a, a rookie in the draft are you, are you are you any yeah fitzpatrick who you just had on your team two years ago um but Fitzpatrick's got to be like, what the hell? I could have had that money and still been on that team. Fitzpatrick's going to be fine. Yeah, he's probably going to. Uh, but what I was going to say about Brock Osweiler is one of the reasons Bill O'Brien went out and recruited him 
is he has heard from Manning and from other people that Brock Osweiler has learned to prepare the right way. And that is what Bill O'Brien likes in a quarterback. He likes a heady guy who's going to come in. He's going to be the first guy there, the last guy to leave. He's going to be the guy who can run a meeting room. He's going to be the guy who, you know, just takes it all in during the week and prepares, you know, like Manning has. He learned directly from Manning, you know, how to prepare for a football game. And that's one thing Bill O'Brien was extremely impressed with. So we'll see how that sort of plays out. I think that's going to be a big thing, you know, in their offense to sort of tutelage to where he he's going to be prepared. He's not going to, you know, throw too many interceptions like Horner did in that, you know, disastrous conference champion or uh, playoff game. Basically, he's going to be a game manager. And if that defense is as good as it was at the end of last season, and we've seen that, you know, in their history, and then, you know, a run game with Lamar Miller getting the ball to DeAndre on short routes, deep routes, and just DeAndre's ability, you know, when you throw it to Marius Thomas 13 times, he might catch three. When you throw it to DeAndre Hopkins, you know, 13 times, he's going to catch eight or nine. Very true. Uh, yep. So, you know, let's, uh, let's, let me have one last comment uh, for everybody if they got it on uh, on Houston, then we can move on to something else. But uh, I'll say the other benefit for Osweiler is, is that isn't Bill O'Brien a guy that's known as a guy that helps quarterbacks always? Like, he always gets the best out of quarterbacks. So, if he sees, you know, all these traits in a guy who, at least now, Osweiler is not coming in green. You know, he he, he has been in the league for a bunch of years and got his chance last year. Now he's hungry, and he's, he's more comfortable and calm. And so I think O'Brien will do great things with him down there. I recently uh, was doing some digging, and I found a John Paulson article. Uh, it, now, this was a few years ago, but he, he did a really good study, and then he actually updated it on a, a recent 4 for 4 podcast. Uh, he did a study of free agents that went to a new team, and then he looked at fantasy, uh, the effects on fantasy production. And it was pretty impressive. I actually just retweeted it out uh, at Pyromaniac Mo on Twitter. Um, and most free agents that go to a new place decrease in fantasy. The most successful group was quarterbacks. Um, he actually looked at, I wrote down some numbers. He looked at, uh, for guys, fantasy players that scored over six points a game. He looked at 51 different players from the years 2006 to 2012, and 40 guys decreased. Once they landed on a new team, only 11 increased. But again, quarterbacks, that was the best um, performance, I guess. That was the, uh, the best uh, land, or that was the best free agent um, position to go to a new team and have fantasy production was quarterbacks. Wide receiver. Not so much. Wide receivers were, were pretty bad across the board. Uh, 2014 was the anomaly. That was the outlier. But, man, the, the numbers were really kind of startling. And I know everybody gets all excited about free agents and all the possibilities. Um, one thing that I think he found to be interesting for fantasy is that usually guys below 30 were the ones that did well. And also if they, obviously if they improved like wide receivers, if they improved a quarterback, but also if a guy was improving a position. So like wide receiver three to wide receiver two, usually those were the guys that did better going from a wide receiver two to wide receiver one. So younger guys and guys that uh, are improving the position seems to be that one little key for free agents that did better. 
But I, I think it's just, I don't know, human condition. We get excited about this new shakeup and all the new possibilities. And it's very often the case that they don't perform as we hope. Guys coming off rookie deals tend to perform, you know, similarly well. So you don't have to worry about a guy like Lamar Miller, who's 24 years old. There are draft, there are draft eligible running backs who are just as old as Lamar Miller coming out this year. It is insane how young Lamar Miller is comparison to Doug Martin, who's 27. You know, you got a 24 year old uh, Lamar Miller. I have about zero worries with him. Uh, you know, Brock Osweiler we like, but then you know later on down the line. You know, signing those old vets coming off their second contract, maybe their third. We saw it last year with sort of Andre Johnson. We saw it with Frank Gore. We saw it with all these really sort of old, you know, used to be transcendent talents that those aren't the guys who are going to pay off. So those are the guys I'm going to completely avoid. But when they're fresh guys who are, you know, between 26 and 27 years old, I'm not going to be scared at all. I do understand the wide receivers because it takes a while to get, you know, acclimated with the offense, acclimated with the calls, acclimated with the quarterback, you know, just acclimated with everything. I think that's a bigger thing when it comes to wide receivers. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. Okay. Well, I think that, that covers a lot. The only thing I'm worried about when we talk well, – well, I'll, let me go on, and then you got one more thing to bring on the, to the table on this team. But one thing I'm a little scared about with Miller is just the fact that um, and we've complained about this with other guys. It's a big Houdini thing. Uh, a guy like Andre Ellington or a guy like some of these players that don't really have the size, are they ready to all of a sudden become a 320 carry kind of guy? I love Lamar Miller's play. I love his upside. I think he's going to have a great season if you can play all 16 games. But the one thing you got to be a little bit worried about, and, and it's, it, Houston's very used to this, uh, is there is is Miller going to be able to hold up and and play the first four games of the season toting the rock 25 30 times and then come back for week five through ten and not be a little bit banged up because it's just he's kind of a, he's got that body and the running style that doesn't necessarily match his body type I mean he's similarly sized to Arian Foster which is good and scary at the same time no I know I, it's, Hopefully he doesn't it's, hurt like it's, 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 it's whatever, but go ahead, Dini. So I just want to make a quick point to what uh, Mo had brought up about, you know, the free agents and how they perform. The person that's been playing dynasty for over, over almost 15 years. Uh, this is one of the things that it's usually the kiss of death. If you have a wide receiver on your team that gets moved in free agency, it's very rarely do they get moved into a great situation, you know, it happens, you know, it, it happened with uh, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, um, but, you know, it doesn't always happen, you know, for, for the most part. You get a lot of times you get the Jeremy Macklin moves where they go from Philadelphia to Kansas City and you know that you're just going to get a, a regression in the in the production. With running backs, I, I'm not as concerned. You know, the time it takes to catch on is usually it's going to take about four weeks in order to get in cohesion with the offensive line as long as but as long as you're running behind a good offensive line and you have you know a good situation uh, things will be all right you know uh so it it's just one of those things i think definitely from a dynasty standpoint i don't like to be you know if you're out there and you're looking for to make a trade as and as most saying you get excited and you're saying oh wow i want to get this guy now he's on this team i would not be running out there to make a trade uh, and giving up a lot for a free agent wide receiver or other big name player that signs on the move uh, to expect big things in the next fantasy season. So Can we, on the flip side of this, these, uh, these deals, talk about what it means for Ajay, and then what does it mean for, uh, you know, Dog tweeted today that 
uh, the dynasty players, the biggest nightmare ever is if the next quarterback for the Denver Broncos is a Colin Kaepernick. Imagine uh, the guy you mentioned before, Emmanuel Sanders, when he Benedict Arnold, the, the Chiefs. I wonder right now if he's like, uh, I mean, he's psyched. They won a Super Bowl. They want to do it with him. But yeah. right, now, right now he's a little bummed. And, and if, if Demarius Thomas, who already was a little shaky down the stretch last year, has got Kaepernick thrown to him, what's, what's the flip side? What's the vacancy that comes on from these other two teams uh, with uh, those two players moving? What Are you, are you scared for, for them? I think Miami is still going to add somebody, you know. Uh, this is the other thing that I think Denver is going to be become a wasteland here potentially because uh, you have CJ Anderson who is a restricted free agent. All that does though is is, is gives uh, the Broncos the right match any offer that that's given to him. But there's no draft pick compensation if he doesn't sign with if he if he if he goes the, the other direction. So. Um, you know, and I know that I heard that they were in on a couple of the other running backs, uh, Miami. So look, I, I I'll tell you what, the cupboard could keep getting torn away from the the Super Bowl champs, and uh, I don't think anyone here really feels all that bad for him. So, um, but uh, I think Ajay is going to have some competition one way or the other, whether it comes from free agency, uh, which is I think ideally where they where they would like it to come from, uh, but otherwise it, it'll definitely come from some form in the draft. I think they're more likely to spend the mid-round pick on a running back, sort of how they did Ajayi last year. Uh, they came out today and they said they think Ajayi is a three-down back. They think he could do it all. So that's, you know, very important for them. You know, are they're going to give him a workload. We'll see how long he lasts through it. We know he's got sort of a degenerative knee issue. So I, I think he's going to be all right, but, you know, he, he's going to skyrocket the boards. Are you sure? Uh, maybe I think I was looking at my phone while I was walking Daisy and some hot girl walked by and caught my attention or something. Are you sure it said three down back? And I think it said third down back. No, three down back. <laughs> and then, the other thing is this. At this point in time, when you lost Lamar Miller and you don't have – you weren't able to get the guy who you were maybe uh, trying to go after, which was maybe like a Doug Martin or something like that, then you know what? You'd say that this guy is our th- three down back because he's the only guy left in the house. They don't have any money. His knee knee cartilage is a zero, zero down back. Yeah, uh, like Houdini said, what else are they going to say? You know, that that would have made, it would have meant a lot more had they said it before they lost Miller. Um, But uh, yeah, with, well, but they didn't say it before. They they said it now. and with the knee cartilage there, you know, certainly dynasty, that would concern me. I, I like Ajahi with, with Gase, but yeah, they will probably look to fill. Um, and no, you know, you were talking about Lamar Miller and is he going to be able to tote the rock, you know, uh, X amount of times. As I said, he's only had one season with over 200 carries in his career. But look, last year, what? We had one guy. Peterson was the only one that had over 300 carries. There was only five guys that had over 250. That's just not a thing anymore. So I think Miller can certainly hold up. I, I don't think they're going to give him um, a stupendous amount of carries that, it, that it's going to really affect him. Yep. Okay, Negatively. cool. Let's go, to another, let's go to another signing that I think I'm pretty sure someone do math, uh, do the math for me, but Chris Ivory, is he not making the same amount of money that, uh, that Lamar Miller is essentially what's going on there? Where, why, why is he getting paid 6 million a year, which is right there with what the other guys were getting paid. Um, kind of a head scratcher in my opinion for Jaguars. Um, 
you know, he's a good back, but he's a journeyman to be to be honest. And what what does this say about TJ Yeldon? Well, this says that they don't have a lot of faith in TJ Yeldon. This also is is a, is a matter of fact because the Jaguars had more money than God under the cap this year. What was it? Did they have like was it ninety million dollars to spend under the cap? So I mean, they're throwing money around like it's going out of style. You saw how much money they gave Malik Jackson. Um, you, you look, so I, I look at Jacksonville as a team that they're they're just trying to 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 patchwork things together again because just like Houston, they're in this crap ass division and it's winnable. So and it doesn't take that much to 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 be the team that's going to come out of it. So you know and 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 unfortunately the 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 problem is why guys get paid what they get paid. It's because of what else is out there. And once Doug Martin resigned in Tampa Bay, that was the biggest chip that was on the market, and he he didn't go. So now everybody else was left scrambling. Well, Chris, is that why you just made money at your next job, Houdini? The uh, there's not many there's not many good people out there to, that do your job. That's right, you know. I, I'm the one that at least works harder than everybody else. Come on. Fair I enough. resigned before, you know, Doug Baldwin and before Lamar Miller. The thing is, what they were looking for, they were looking for a very specific type of back. They had money to blow, so they pretty much front-loaded his contract to where it's only like a two-year deal, and then if they move on, they move on. What they wanted is a back who could score touchdowns and convert short yardage uh, situations. And there was nobody sort of at his age uh, who could fit into this offense uh, that is as good as Chris Ivory at doing those two things. That's where they really struggled last year was keeping the chains moving, uh, and converting short yardage plays, and converting you know rushing attempts in the end zone. What that tells me is, yeah, T.J. Yeldon's going to get some more third down work. He's going to get uh, a little bit, you know, he's going to just change of pace work. He's still going to get plenty of touches to where if I thought it was going to be 18 now, maybe it's 14 carries, 14 touches a game. He's still going to get plenty of work because this offense will not be throwing as much as they did last year. That is going to regress. The amount of you know red zone touchdowns are going to regress, which we talked about on our last blab. Uh, basically, this helps them do that. This helps them. This gives them a guy to hand off to from the two yard line to take it into the end zone, which is something they wanted. That was their main goal besides Malik Jackson. First of all, I'd like to say Val Verde. <laughs> Secondly, that's what you talking about? basically. Hey, wait! You did that. You did that one more time. What you talking about? You wait till I come out. I smell two shit for 22 years. Now you can't smell mine for five minutes. Nice. Um, what are you drinking over there, Mo? I'm drinking uh, with my premier partner, Founders. I'm drinking uh, out of my Founders mug and also drinking the lovely Centennial IPA. Mm. Nice. I'm drinking some, uh, some Two Brothers Outlaw. Pale ale, drinking out of non-outlaw pale ale mug. This is a Duval uh, chill, but uh, I'm rocking this. I actually kind of like it. I think it's the first time I ever had it, but it's a local brew, and um, there's a lot of Chicago breweries. But you come from the land of breweries, don't you, Mo? What are you drinking, uh, Houdini? Oh, I'm slumming it tonight. I'm drinking. Uh, uh, it's a head snapper Malbec from uh, Target, and uh, you know, get it done. It's a head snapper. Nice. I like it. Have we Sounds ever had like, a wine uh, as a Valverde? Is that a thing? 
I don't know. It's a thing that, that I had no beer in the house and I wasn't going to go run out and get anything. So this is the last thing I had. <laughs> don't, isn't there like a binnies like 50 yards away from your house? No, nah, that's well, it's, it's a 10 minute walk. Nice. Um, I, I drank some, uh, some wine on a couple early podcasts. Um, <laughs> It's it's sophisticated stag party. Come on, it's, it's, it's called alcohol, my friend. I I just didn't know if wine was considered a Valverde or not. That's all I wanted to know. I think it's a fair question. Fair enough. Maybe we need to come up with a new name for uh, when we're drinking wine. We'll come up. We'll come up with a new one. But um, all right. Well, let's um, let's let's keep talking a little bit. Should we move on from uh, what's his face uh, Ivory? I was well, I was just gonna kind of uh, piggyback oh, off oh. what. Staggs was saying, and, and not so much with Ivory and Yeldon, but really the fact we're going to see a lot of regression with uh, the Her- or, uh, the Allens squared, Robinson and Hearns, and, and with Bortles. I mean, Bortles was tied with Aaron Rodgers for 100 red zone attempts. That's not going to happen next year. And and like Staggs said, they really needed somebody. Yeldon wasn't getting it done uh, inside the twenty. Uh, Ivory, you know, that's right up his alley. So I think we're going to see some regression from Bortles and the passing game. And whether it goes all to Ivory or we'll see what that split is, the regression is bound to happen. Uh, as I said, Bortles was tied for the most red zone attempts. Uh, only two teams ran the ball less than they did last year. No other team at a higher rate of red zone TDs versus via the pass, 88%. So certainly some regression is, is going to, be had at the quarterback spot in Jacksonville and uh, Ivory and Yeldon will scoop that up predominant, um, predominantly Ivory, I think. Well, I'll, I'll make a cross argument to that. And this is, is this, is that, um, you know, I think Ivory, number one, it's horrible for TJ Yeldon because if he's taking away the touchdowns, he's taking away the short yardage or whatever, you know, that, that it's garbage. It makes, it makes TJ Yeldon fall probably about another 15 spots down on my, uh, on my tiers. So, um, but, but secondly, for Blake Bortles, why were they throwing the ball so much? Because they couldn't run the ball. They were, they were a one-dimensional team last year. You know, the, the sheer amount of passing attempts. I think that the balance has the, has the potential to help him out. Because, again, the one thing that you're not going to get from Chris Ivory, which would be uh, more of a catastrophic, uh, ca- catastrophic thing for, uh, for Bortles, would be a guy like Lamar Miller, a guy that can take it to the house on one carry. You know, Chris Ivory is going to maybe get you a good, maybe a good chunk, 25, 35 yard run, but he's not taking any 60, 70 yard runs to the house. So Bortles is still going to get plenty of opportunities. And if you establish the run, you know, we all saw how Fitzmagic did last year when you can establish the run with some good wide receivers, which is kind of like what the A squareds over there got. So, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily as bad for Bortles. I think it actually helps him by giving him more balance. Yeah. I, I I don't disagree. I was just surprised. You know, actually, I really did finish the seventh running back, had a thousand yards, and actually got a uh, pretty mar- pretty solid load. Played fifteen games and had uh, two hundred and forty seven carries. So I, I guess he did a little better than I had in my mind. Personally, I had him on zero teams last year, um, but when I saw that he was getting that kind of dog, I was like, "Wow, good for you, buddy. Make it happen." Because uh, just two years ago, three years ago, he was. Um, on the Saints, and he was like the third or fourth uh, back in the depth chart. I just think there's, there's got to be a regression. Two years ago, he had 44 red zone pass attempts. Last year, 100. That number has got to come down. Cool. Well, let's talk about who replaces Ivory. 
um, and goes and rocks out in the in New York. Thank God it's New York and not Cheese uh, Cheese Town up north from us. Uh, Mr. Matt Forte, the leading rusher, uh, re- leading yards from scrimmage for a running back since he came in the league, uh, leaves Chicago and goes out to New York. Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, the talk on the town was that he was being lured by the Packers and guys like Peppers. Uh, and then there was obviously other talk that he might go down and, and join um, Gase in, in Miami uh, because of their relationship there or Ravens. I don't know. Uh, they thought, you know, if that Ozzy was talking, they're going to make a big splash in, in free agency. And uh, we'll talk about who they signed today a little bit later. But Forte, uh, is he – is he going to have a season like he did two, three years ago, or is he going to be a little bit more like he was last year? Big things? Is he the workhorse? I, you know what? It's hard to exactly determine what he's going to be right now. First of all, how interesting is it, again, that we, we continue to have – there's a lot of Chicago Bear-New York Jet connections. You have, uh, you know, Brandon Marshall, who recently went there, and so obviously now – he must have really liked his time with Brandon Marshall that he's deciding to reunite with him uh, yeah. in in, uh, in New York. And, uh, you know, in years past, if you remember, Thomas Jones running back for the Bears, who ended up leaving the Bears and then going to the Jets as well. But uh, I, I think everything right now is predicated on what the hell are the Jets doing with quarter with their quarterback position? Because if they don't sign Ryan Fitzpatrick, then and, it's, and it ends up being Geno Smith, then this is going to be a bad time for uh, Matt Forte. If it's if it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, then I think that you still have a chance because again with Decker and uh, and Marshall out there, and the fact that that what uh, Forte will be able to do that Ivory was not able to do in that offense is catch the football. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, where you had all these Bilal Powell, you know, yards that could become this could become that one big swan song year for a Matt Forte because. If you have a talent like that, you're trying to go for it all. He basically signed it's a, it's a two year deal, so he's he's you know in it to try to win it. And you know, uh, I, I think it works only if there's a good quarterback, and I think it needs at this point with everyone that's gone, it better be Fitzpatrick. I mean, that's a big big deal. Uh, bringing Fitzpatrick back is going to make or break sort of Matt Forte for me. Even though you know Matt Forte is probably going to catch the ball from whoever's at quarterback. Fitzpatrick had a ton of dump-offs. Ivory had some catches. I think he had, what, 33 or something. And then Bilal Powell had a ton, especially down the stretch. So he could have, you know, another 60-catch season. The thing that Matt Forte doesn't do well that Chris Ivory does well is convert short yardage and score touchdowns, uh, rushing touchdowns. I mean, yeah, Forte's had some nice, you know, receiving touchdowns in his career, but he is not a giant touchdown guy like a Chris Ivory was for them last year. So that that's one thing, you know, that they're they want to be a tough running team and then throw off of that. You know, Forte takes it away a little bit from that. So I wonder if they provide a compliment or if they give, you know, Zach Stacy, who didn't really get a lot of work there last year, some more work on just being the hammer. Um, because that's not Forte's game. Forte is a well-rounded player who does a lot of good things, but he doesn't he's great in the passing game, but he's not a great pass protector. So the things he does, he's a well-rounded back, but I don't know between Bilal Powell and Chris Ivory if they really got better. I mean, those two guys, while it might, while fantasy, you know, you want one guy to do everything. Those two guys, you know, had a pretty synchronous season last year to where they were pretty good as a running back unit. 
Forte, he'd surprise you. He is uh, last year, 30 red zone attempts. Uh, he kind of surprises you uh, for how often I they, they use him and for having that name is – uh, not often given the ball in the red zone. I think that kind of followed him the, his first couple of years, but they were starting to give him the ball more in the red but zone, especially last, especially last year. He has one of the lowest red zone conversion uh, rates running the ball inside the five-yard line in like the history of the NFL. He's not a good zone red zone running back. You want to know who's got one of the best Valverde yeah. conversions in during the Pyro podcast? D-Rex. Valverde. So nobody go in the bathroom for about 35, 45 minutes. Somebody open the window. Somebody open the window. Things like, talking about Fitzmagic a little bit early, uh, a little bit earlier is, and since we're on the Jets, I saw a great uh, Eddie Murphy uh, tweet that one of you guys did on for Twitter well, today. I killed it like, on Twitter today. That was all me. That was that was great. I was all right on Twitter too. We were uh, collectively it was one of our better days. Um, I think uh, I think that one was cracking me up. With Fitzpatrick sitting there, he's like, "What movie is that from? Is that uh, is that Beverly uh, Hills Cop two? I think so. He's like, so it's, good. Like, it's like, wait, what? He he, Osweiler got how much? <laughs> I think. What's his name is going to be making a lot of money, and it's going to be from the Jets. They got to keep him. If he goes, you know our boy, who I'm actually surprised isn't on here in some manifestation right now, PK Ripper. He we had him on our last show. He bounced on for about ten minutes. He's actually going to be helping us out with some right. content. I've been talking to him this week, and uh, he's going to join our forces. Me and Stag Party are going to have a a call, a conference call with him later this week, and he's psyched to help us out with some content. That guy knows his stuff. Obviously, he's been a juggernaut uh, uh, for us on on. On, on Twitter and Facebook, just uh, one of our biggest fans. But he's a Jets freak, and he's basically always saying, he's like, if these guys do not sign Fitch Magic, we are totally screwed. Does no one remember what it was like over the previous couple of years uh, with what the situation? So Fitch Magic is probably going to get, you know, a two, three-year, uh, $18 million for nice guaranteed dough, and then ride off into the Harvard sunlight. They've got a, they've got a nice team. They got some nice offensive weapons. I mean, uh, a Decker, he was just you know never scored two touchdowns in a game, but uh, had a ton of one touchdown games. Just a solid guy. Um, you got now. You got as uh, one of you guys mentioned the double Chicago connection with a Brandon. And a Forte fits surprised everybody, even uh, the Rook, or I guess now entering his uh, second year, uh, Devin Smith. Uh, so I, they've got some really nice offensive weapons. Uh, they're going to be, uh, we talked about tomorrow. power in numbers. Uh, Jets could be one of those big teams next year. Hey, there's there's the guy who's feeding Houdini all his stats. That's right. This guy gives me all the all the all the info. The two man team. I wish I could grab Daisy right now, but she's she's asleep. She's always like, "What is this, my idiot owner doing talking into this computer all day?" Breaking news. Yeah, he's like he doesn't. Breaking news: Rashard Matthews goes and signs with Tennessee instead of New England. Oh, that that hurts a little bit. I mean, they've got a bunch of twos there in Tennessee, so it's like, oh, well, that helps no one. <laughs> Well, but you know what, though? It, it, it helps uh, Dorio Green Beckham. You know, again, you, you got to have – because now you still have – got, you got Kendall Wright, 
Green Beckham, and Rashard Matthews. So now at least you got three viable options out there, three weapons, and Green Beckham is the guy that has the size and the ability to to just take it to another level. So you know, giving him some more support and having that actual actual third option out there, I think. It's I huge. think uh, Mariota could have a potential breakout season next year. I think he's going to take a big, maybe not a breakout, uh, depending depending on how you define that. But I think uh, certainly a large step forward. Really liked what I saw out of him and uh, Richard Matthews. Uh, I, was, I was talking about this with um, Christopher Harris as well uh, last year. I, I kind of picked up. Baldwin. Now I didn't hang on to him long enough because he didn't really start performing until week 10, but I, I picked him up because he was one of a handful of guys that had hands for the long ball. He uh, had an average depth of target last year, uh, 2014, average depth of target beyond 10 yards, and also had a catch rate of 70%. There weren't many guys that did that, and all the guys in that category were big-time names. And um, Baldwin was the one that wasn't. And so I was really kind of seeing him just didn't have the patience with him. So I looked at that this year, who in 2015, who were some guys that caught the long ball uh, consistently. So over 60% catch rate and average depth of target, double digits beyond 10 yards. Richard Matthews uh, was one of the few. And uh, I, I really like him. The, the other names that kind of stuck out there, uh, Richard Matthews, uh, Willie Sneed, uh, also, now, this, I think, is more so the quarterback. Uh, there was only like six names, Curse, Lockett, and Baldwin, which I think is really more indicative of the wow. system and perhaps the quarterback. Um, so I'm kind of eyeballing those guys, Matthews, Sneed. I want to see where Curse lands, but uh, I, I'm kind of watching Matthews. I think he might be able to take a big step. I, I like the quarterback situation there. I think this is one of those things that John Paulson sort of identified is – uh, when they are going from one place and they upgrade at quarterback, which to me, uh, Richard Matthews, he's getting, I, well, he's getting a better deep ball thrower, I would say, than uh, Tannehill was. Um, I think also. <laughs> yes, Tannehill stuck at the deep ball. <laughs> it wasn't much and, better in the year. Well, it was his rookie year, and he had, he had a lot of really impressive stuff. He had uh, several multi-touchdown games, a couple of five-touchdown games, I believe. Uh, I really liked what I saw from him, and um, I he's also, I think, going to improve where he was in the depth chart, I guess. I think he's going to be getting some more targets uh, where he is in Tennessee just from lack of competition. So that's one of the things Paulson said for free agents to look for, uh, improving at quarterback and then a step up in targets or basically on the depth chart. I don't know if he actually moves up. I think he's sort of in the same position he was. He's sort of a running back two-ish on his team, maybe three, you know, because they've got still Delaney Walker there, and no team threw the ball to tight ends more last season. They also came out today. They said, you know, we'll throw in this DeMarco Murray trade. That was one of the lightest returns I have ever seen in my life. That he is going to be a workhorse running back. And that this offense is going to run through him. And remember, this is a, they give him the ball. Mike Malarkey has a tendency to give the ball to a guy a lot. Like, so, you know, there's all these things that are like, is there too many mouths to feed in Tennessee with no just giant fantasy producer? Because you got Rashard Matthews, who's like a two. You got Green Beckham, who could eventually develop into a one. But I'm not seeing that right away. And then, you know, Kendall Wright, who's had one-like numbers at some points in his career. Delaney Walker, who was highly. And then you've got, you know, DeMarco Murray. So there, that's a lot of different mouths to feed. And you've got uh, Marcus Mariota, who likes to run a little bit. 
Yeah, but look at that wide receiver. Yeah, let, let, uh, just real quick, just looking at the wide receiver core. Kendall Wright. I mean, who else? Harry Douglas, Justin Hunter. It's really uh, Kendall Wright, and he's sort of let everyone down. I don't really know if he's got it. Doriel Beckham Green, like you said, he can certainly step up. But I think easy um, math, uh, Rashard Matthews can step into a number two role, and I think he's going to have more targets than he did previously. All right. The, the the point that I'm going to make is, is the piggyback on what Stags is saying here. And the fact is that there's a lot of change going on right now in Tennessee. And Tennessee may become a team that you want to have these players on two, three years from now. I don't think that I would want to invest everything that I have in Tennessee at this point in time. It's a team that's in transition. It's a team that's figuring things out. And again, the big key to that is the fact that DeMarco Murray is coming in. What did they lack last year? Why did Mariota was able to have this, the stats that he was having? Because they couldn't run the ball. You know, when Antonio Andrews becomes your best running back, th- this is not something that you're that you're you're writing home to mama about. So now you got, uh, you know, uh, Demarco Murray coming in, who with Philadelphia was basically playing in eighty percent of the time they were in shotgun, and that does not bode well for him. Tennessee last year, Tennessee was in shotgun 60% of the time. But again, a big portion of that was because they were playing from behind and because they had no running backs. So, you know, you're still going to have, uh, you know, uh, Antonio Andrews out there, but I think he's going to be probably taking on, uh, and you got Jalston Fowler. So now you actually still, you still have guys that can play the fullback role because the key for DeMarco Murray is to get him in the eye. And like, like Stag said, Malarkey is a guy that will give him 25, some games, 28, 29 touches, 29 carries, and let them just run the ball. So, you know, what's going to be interesting, though, for Mariota is I think that I'm not as enthused about the um, all of the uh, the wide receivers, but I'm, I'm kind of enthused about Mariota because I think that it's also going to open up some running lanes for him uh, to do a lot more damage than he did last year. I mean, look, last year he had, uh, what was it, like 200-something yards rushing, and he had but he one 87-yard run in there as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then well, you just got to sort of think that – you know, there's so many mouths to feed that usually helps the quarterback and sort of hurts all the other guys. That's one thing we always talk about. If there's so many different guys to get the ball to, the best guy to own then is the quarterback or the running back who's going to be scoring those red zone touchdowns. So those are the guys, you know, if I'm choosing a Tennessee wide receiver to own, it's going to be like Delaney Walker. It's not going to be Doriel Green Beckham anymore. It's not going to be Richard Matthews. I mean, okay, depending on price tag, let's throw out the little caveat right there. But you know, those aren't the guys I'm going to be striving to get. If they're available for me late and I like it then, sure. But, you know, I'm going to be going for more of the DeMarco Murray and I'm going to be going for more of the Marcus Mariota. Yeah, like Kania even said in, in the live chat, and we've been talking about it in a number of the whole division, Tennessee can't stop anyone, so they have to pass it to keep in these games. They have to they have to put the – uh, the pedal to the metal. So no matter what, even with Mark DeMarco, and I, I like I like DeMarco even before, even when he was on the Eagles, um, it's going. They're gonna have to keep up with teams. So it's gonna be. It's, there's gonna be. A, they're gonna be winging the ball around. But when Tennessee played their best last season with Marcus Mariota, what they did is they slowed the game down. They ran the ball. They played safe defense. You know, so that's when they, in terms of wins, losses, that's when they played the best. When they played a sort of grinded out, smash mouth style of football. So there could be a little bit of that, especially with those offenses in that division between the Jaguars, Indy, and, you know, in some ways, Houston. You know, you got to play a little slow in order to gain some sort of an advantage. I think they ran fewer plays than pretty much every team in the league. 
What's your um stag party? What's your shirt? Is that shy? Shy with the hockey stick. Shy. Oh, is that is that your is that a Blackhawks or is that your hockey team? Nah, that's that's your the Blackhawks Black sort of moniker. Little rip off cheap t shirt. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You're it's good to see you were at the uh Salvation Army the other day. Oh. Oh nice. I'm I'm gonna throw out a a whiny Houdini. Fuck you, better know. The Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. <laughs> so, moving on to just another. Be lifting that thing out of the <laughs> so we've got some. What was that? So we've got some interesting sort of you know happenings in Tennessee. We'll see how that goes, but I still don't think they're a team I'm going to want to invest a lot of draft capital in. So, sort of maybe moving to a team. That's that's got some guys that you're interested in. What's the next sort of team you like? What do you who do you want to talk about? Well, I think you know Kobe Fleet. Kobe, yeah, Fleet. fine. Let's, yeah. let's talk about the tight end that left uh, that Ben Watson out of nowhere, uh, looking good. Went and he went and signed with the Ravens. And let's talk about Kobe Fleener signing a five year deal and, and replacing him down in. Uh, in in New Orleans, and you know, Dwayne Allen to that with uh, you know, staying in yep. in Indy. Yeah, let, let me let me start with the one that was the most con- confounding to me is the fact that that Ben Watson signed with Baltimore. You, you got Crockett Gilmore, you got Max Williams. It's like you, you the one thing you don't have there is is great wide receivers. Yeah. So what the hell are you guys doing there? Right. And you're just bringing another another tight end. Uh, I mean, maybe Watson at this point in time is just chasing the money, which I can understand. The guy's been in the league for a bunch of years, and he had a great year with uh, with New Orleans. But that's the one that, to me, anyone that was like had invested in, in a dynasty thing and invested in Max Williams as a rookie pick last year, you got to be sitting there going, "What the hell are you doing, Ozzy? You're killing me." Yeah, that's the one team that has more tight end talent than than the Lions. Their Lions are always drafting tight ends and now uh Baltimore I mean Gilmore Watson well they, they still got Pitta I mean not that his old broken hip is going to be doing anything but uh, you are right man talk about uh, uh an embarrassment of riches in Baltimore and man are they depleted at the wide receiver spot I mean if old man Perriman I say old man just because if you look at the guy he uh he looks like he's uh he do i've fallen and i can't get up commercials because he looks like he's about 80 years old but uh i realize he's, he's a rook, basically a rook um but god they should have invested in some wide receivers they still might the draft's still coming but you know on that sort of you know wide receiver market was very very sort of thin uh so i guess you just got a reliable pass catcher how like are they going to run five ten ten on sets? I mean, they've got so many because they've also got Nick Boyle, who I think was suspended for a couple games. However, but you know, this is going to be three tight ends, four tight ends. What are they going to play? Smash mouth football with you know Mark Trustman calling the plays. What the hell is that? They're they're going to run the wedge on every play. <laughs> just run the wedge. Just 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 have whoever the running back is, whether it's Buck Allen or Force Set or whoever, just. All right, five tight ends. We're running the wedge. Well, Ozzy's an t- old tight end, Hall of Famer, so he must he must obviously he's got inflated and high high thoughts on on the position. So, but I would say it's 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 safe to say that um, 
Gilmore isn't good, as great as it maybe we thought he was over the course of the last couple months, and the fact that Pitta, whether he wants to come back or not, his days are done with that team. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a tight end two now, though. Like, where if he would have signed back with New Orleans, he could have been a you know top fifteen ish tight end. Now you're looking at him like maybe tight end twenty, maybe tight end like twenty four. Like he's not a guy I want to you know, invest any draft capital in, especially when I'd rather, much rather take a high upside guy who, you know, replaced him in Kobe Fleener with the Saints. Well, I would say this. The thing about Ben Watson is that you're not going to have to invest draft capital into that guy. But he's a guy that if you're sitting there, and I'll tell you what, you, if, depending on what you're doing at tight end, if you're waiting till the very end, he, he's probably still going to be there. And it's, it's a guy that you know what you're going to get out of him. The fact is, Maybe they just saw everything out of Max, out of, of you know Max Williams and Craig Gilmore, and said, "You know what? These guys aren't going to be that great, and we actually think we might have a chance next year." Which I think they legitimately do. I know Dog thinks they do with what how he's projecting with what Flacco is going to do. But um, you know, I, I look, so let's look at it on the on, on the flip side now. Kobe Fleener goes from that situation, right? That that Watson is going into is coming out of that where he was fighting with, with Dwayne Allen for all this time to try to get out on the field. And you go to – he goes to a perfect situation for him in New Orleans where you, you Colston's going to be gone. You have Willie Sneed, who you have as one receiver. You got Brandon Cooks as another, and then you have nobody else. So Fleener automatically goes in and maybe even becomes option, option number two uh, in that offense. And, and, and look, what Drew Brees could do with, with Ben Watson – uh, what what makes you think that he's not going to do that and more with Kobe Fleener? I agree. I'm really excited. Who I was hung on for some years and it didn't happen for him in uh, in uh, India. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited for Kobe Fleener. He's going to be. I'm going to move him up in my tiers. I think he's going to be like tight end ten. Like I'd much rather have him than Eric Ebron. Uh, we've seen him score touchdowns. We've seen him have yards. We've seen him have sort of successful seasons and successful games in bunches. We've seen him have 100-yard games, which is something you rarely see out of the tight end position. So he's somebody I've you know, definitely moved up. They paid him a bunch of money. You know, they've got a role carved out that they know how to use a move tight end. They know how to use it better than anybody else in the business. You know, uh, basically because of Jimmy Graham, they – you know, molded that move tight end exactly for Jimmy Graham. You know, we know Kobe Fleener can't block worth the shit. They're not going to ask him to. That's the best part of this. They're putting him in a situation where he can block anybody. Where he can. Jimmy Graham never blocked anybody. Yeah. Great. You know, Kobe Fleener never has either. Uh, well, Pyromaniac Mo is referring to our, our tears. Um, you had Fleener pretty high as is before this happened. And I think you had him, you had him the highest out of all out of the five of us at, at 13. What does that mean? Where you're got to be moving him real high uh, after this news that he's going to be the tight end for uh, Drew Brees, right? You got to be super ecstatic about the guy. Yeah. I, and, and that was kind of based uh, on, I thought he was going to be going somewhere free agent. Um, and if you look, he's been really now, Touchdowns. We always talk about how touchdowns are very um, dynamic. It's a hard stat to replicate. Uh, he, he's been fairly consistent, but targets. 2013, only his second year in the league. And as we know, tight ends take 
you know, three years before they really uh, get the system under their belt before they really get going. His second year in the league had 87 targets, 52 receptions. Uh, third year in the league, 2014, 92 targets, 51 receptions. Uh, last year, 84 targets, 54 receptions. He's been really consistent. And certainly with uh, Drew Brees now, I- I'm liking him even more. I think Drew Brees is going to have a bit of a bounce back season this year. And I've really liked what I've seen with Sleener. And I think it was just the fact that what's held him down was the fact that they had Dwayne Allen, who, who he's a great blocking back. I mean, Allen is a really, or a tight end is a really complete tight end. Fleener is a pass catching tight end. And I think he can be, um, this could be his best season by far. So I'm certainly going to be moving him up. I haven't looked yet, but I could easily see him, you know, right at 10, maybe something like that. Well, I'll tell you, if we did rankings and tiers based on ugliness, now that uh, Fugly McSkittles is out of the league, Marshawn Lynch, uh, in my opinion, uh, tier one, cross the board, number one overall pick, Kobe Fleener. <laughs> it's got such a nice, nice uh, – I also, you know, you know, completing the circle here, I also sort of like it for Dwayne Allen, getting to be the only guy. The thing is, you can't draft him highly because he has major injury question marks. I think he's missed like 23 of the last 41 games or something. So you're, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I don't want to. But, you know, as a late, you know, tight end two flyer, is a guy who's going to be touchdown dependent. So in, you know, best ball leagues, he's a – you know, a decent investment. He's a guy who could catch two touchdowns in a game randomly, but he's probably not going to have more than like three or four catches, you know, 40 yards, 50 yards. He's going to be one of those type of guys to where, you know, you could just look at at the end of the season and he's got the same numbers as Richard Rogers last year. You know, that's something you could definitely see for Dwayne Allen if he stays healthy. No question. I think, he got overpaid. He's got a year less than Fleener, and he and I think he's 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 making Jesus. He's gonna, he got he's a four, four year four for twenty eight twenty nine million. Yeah, yeah, he got that's uh, a lot of coin. That's a lot, a lot of dough. And then the thing you got to look at with him that scares you the most is out of their last forty eight games, Allen's missed twenty one of them. So. Well, I loved this guy. I was gaga about him when he came into the league. Uh, he's just can't – I don't know what's going on there. Hopefully he's, he's one of those players that his first three, four years kind of just um, are a mess and you kind of overcome your injuries and you figure it out. Obviously, I don't think you're saying the Colts are stupid enough to – they must see something and know, hey, this guy's work does the work. He's preparing himself and his body's going to not give him fits moving forward. But – 21 of the last 48 games. I mean, that's that's Arian Foster territory right there. Yep, yep. Are, are we done on Kobe Fleener? Well, no, we're no, we're talking about Dwayne Allen. We're kind of – all three of these oh. guys are – we're having a menage a trois with the tight ends from this situation. Well, I'm curious. Since I was right. highest on Fleener before the move. Um, and just real quick, and I understand, you know, our tears are always in flex news is always popping in the NFL. Uh, but before the move, I had him at 13. I believe you guys had him, uh, Stags had him at 16, I believe, uh, Noonan, 19, 19, lost where my Fleener was on the board. And Houdini is, um, 
Jeannie had 28. a role at 28. So Whoa. where do you guys – and I, said, I was at 13. I could say – I didn't love him. I didn't. Hold on, Houdini, you got to not talk over. It doesn't sound good on Blab when that happens. Well, I'm just curious as to hear your your take. I, I was highest on him before the move. As I said, I, I haven't re-ranked him yet, but I could easily see him sneaking into my top 10 now. Uh, where do you guys roughly ballpark him uh, after his move? Deanie. Well, I mean, my reason to be so down on him is what he didn't do last year uh, in, in that situation. So uh, I would say right now he, he moves into the top 15 for me for sure. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, seeing how he's going to gel in that offense. It's, you know, I, I've, I just been burned too many times for me to buy in too heavily on him. There's a lot of depth at the tight end position. Yeah. Yeah. I think what, what I said today is basically, you know, you get after that tier of Gary Barnage, Julius Thomas, guys who have scored a bunch of touchdowns before in their career, guys who have had a bunch of yards before in their career, and then it's sort of a, a little bit of a fall off a cliff. And then all these guys from like 10 to 20 are sort of the same. Like if you draft Kobe Fleener and you draft Dwayne Allen, like what's the difference going to be except for the round you're making the pick in? You know, what's the difference between Ebron and Kobe Fleener? You know, what's the difference maybe between Ben Watson and, you know, these guys, they're all going to have end up with like 600 yards and eight touchdowns. And you'd be like, well, you know, why'd I spend a eighth round pick on it instead of spending, you know, my 14th. So there's going to be a point, you know, if I don't get, you know, the Gary Barnage tier or the Julius Thomas tier, then I'm just going to wait. I'm going to sit and wait and I'm going to, you know, take whichever guy, if, you know, Fleener's available in the 13th round and I like him then, take him. But I don't think I'm going to be rushing to the board to get a tight end. One thing I'll say most. Fleener is just today made it so he's not available in the 13th round anymore. That breeze connection. And I, I he's just not going to be there. He just, I think he skyrockets up um, and keeps going up. And there's a lot of – but I agree with what you said wholeheartedly. Everything you said, I, I agree with. I just think he's not going to be the one you can wait around for. Um, it's an interesting one. That's the, the tight ends. And I said this on the podcast and also a blab with you, I'm pretty sure, in our explosion blab, um, Mo. I'm going high. I'm I'm doing I'm doing again. I'm I'm gonna have one of those tight ends in the first six seven rounds, and I'm just gonna roll my dice. And and, and even if even this year a Delaney Walker is 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 sexy as hell. Even um, a Kelsey, like you said, a Barnage. Uh, I don't know, man. I I gotta get one of those guys because once you move past that, it is it is a vanilla cake, and then it's vanilla cake with a, a cherry on it. Then it's vanilla cake with a, a little chocolate on it, and it's just the same deal with another little flourish. Yeah, Delaney Walker. Uh, he's we all ranked him five or six basically across the board. Uh, one guy I think could be sneaky. Stags and I are highest. We're talking tight ends here. Uh, Ebron. Um, I, I think the, the Megatron departure really helps him entering his third year. Great year for tight ends. Um, Stags and I were both 11 on him. Uh, we were the highest on him. I think he could be one of those guys that you could get later that could really show uh, return on investment. Yeah. I, I agree with that as well. And I think that uh, especially now let's, let's, let's talk about another signing that happened today. Marvin Jones the yeah. best free uh, Asian wide receiver on the market goes to Detroit to try to fill the shoes of Calvin Johnson. Now, obviously that's not going to be the case, but 
uh, for Marvin, he's finally going to get a lot more targets than he's ever seen. He had a propensity, and he's shown it to be able to, to be a guy that can catch the touchdown passes uh, that he did extremely well uh, in Cincinnati. Um, in one game. So, you, you, no, he had he had, he had yeah he had three in the one game, but he had like eight in like five games. So he was he was still catching touchdown passes. Either you can or you can't, Stags. Uh, that that's just the way it goes. So, you know, with him going there to Detroit, I, I do like it for Ebron because now Ebron is going to have to have a, a, a bigger role in, in what the offense is going to do because you're not going to sit there and target Marvin Jones like you target Calvin Johnson. So it, it, it's going to be a situation where especially it depends on what's going to happen with their running back situation. Can Amir Abdullah actually take a step forward uh, and, and, and do anything, you know, because he was a disappointment in his first year for what he was going to be. So this that's a team also that I don't like getting behind any of these guys in a fancy perspective for this this coming year, whether it be Golden Tate. What, you know, Ebron may be the only one because of the fact that he's never done it before. So whatever you're going to get from him, it's going to feel good just because it's better than everything he's done before. But I just don't look at that team as being a solid producing team. I look at it as a team that's tr- trying to figure out its identity you know, uh, all the firings that they had in their front office and everything else, they don't know what the hell they're doing in Detroit. Well, let's – I actually agree with Kenia, our brother down here. Let's let's talk to a, a recent signing, probably on this sheet while we're talking about tight ends as well, probably the guy that skyrockets up more than anyone. I know that I am so low on this guy, but the news today with Ladarius Green signing in Pittsburgh, wow, yep. catapults this guy up enormously. So Ladarius Green for me was my 27th tight end. Um, and I kind of actually thought that Gates was going to be a goner. And so that was even kind of thinking that he was going to be San Diego's number one. Um, but he signs and replaces Heath Miller there in Pittsburgh. What do you guys think? I mean, 28th, he's he's going he's going from, in my opinion, obviously I'll work on it this week, but he's going from end of tier seven for me, probably into upper-ish, middle-ish tier five uh, in one moment. And and then he, and that pops him up into the 12 to 18 zone. I was already pretty high on him. I had him 14th because I had heard the Pittsburgh rumor previously, and I just thought it was going to be something that works. I, I thought there was a few teams that were better fits. Like if he – I liked him more on the Saints, uh, of course. So I'm going to rank Kobe Fleener higher just because they know how to get the tight end involved. Pittsburgh sort of likes to use their tight end as a blocker uh, a lot. And that's one thing they did with, you know, Heath Miller. So I think he's going to be more of a gadget player, um, unfortunately. So I might actually be moving him down a little bit uh, to like tight end 15. I just don't know if they're going to run him out there. Plus, let's see where he is in the pecking order. He's not ahead of Antonio Brown. He's not ahead of Martavis Bryant. He's not ahead of, you know, Le'Veon Bell. You know, basically, all these guys, you know, I like them all more. I like all these guys, you know, more than I like Ladarius Green. So, he's going to be lower on my list. I think he's going to be more of a gadget type of guy who's going to score a couple touchdowns here and there. And I think a lot of Heath Miller's success, even if you can say it, he had some consistency, but never really just 
dominated was the fact that Ben, when he needed a third down, when Ben needed a play and needed some short yardage, it didn't matter what the play call was. He knew that he could bounce it low, throw it low, and Heath Miller was going to come up with it, use his body and just turn and or lean backwards and get a couple extra yards. Ladarius Green just doesn't have that kind of steady toughness, use of his body. So I, I fear that um, you know, and obviously it takes a little bit of time to gel and get that kind of um, uh, that good uh, rapport with one another. I think that's going to be tough for Ladarius Green. Ladarius Green, in my opinion, shown over the course of the last three-ish years where we've all been on, or you guys probably more than me, but everyone's giving him all the upside. He's going to do it this year. He's got all the opportunity to do it. I think he might be a little heartless and not the kind of guy that actually uh, – I don't know if he's a Steeler football type of player, to be honest. He might be a lot more of a Southern California Charger type guy. And, you know, just to be clear, he hasn't officially signed yet. They're certainly expecting it. And But like you say, um, nary a five-touchdown season, nary a 500-yard season. Last year was his best at 429, uh, only one season above 30 targets. Uh, just the proof is in the pudding. He, he's – Expected year in, year out to get it done. Haven't seen it, of course. Hasn't had the opportunity. He's had a great on his team the, the entire time. So we will see. Um, I don't know if he's the tight end I'm going to be gambling on, though. Here's the thing. No, the problem is – go ahead, Stags. Uh, what, what happened is the reason Heath Miller was sort of so successful in his career is basically he was – Every year he's on the field. He's always on the field. Basically, outside of the year he tore his ACL a couple years ago, he's been on the team over the last five years. He's been on the field for 95% of the Steelers' snaps. Like, he never comes off the field. So when when there's ever that, you know, check down, he's there. He's on the field. He gets two extra targets a game just for being on the field more than any other player. It's sort of like Jason Witten. Well, the other thing that I would say is you talked about D-Rex, Heath Miller being the safety blank for, for uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Since when have you ever thought about Ladarius Green and the first thought that comes to your mind is, wow, what great hands on this guy. Doesn't happen. Said no one ever. <laughs> said, I'll tell you what I said. I don't give a fuck. What movie is this? I should know Friday? this. I don't. Friday, Friday or Friday? Friday. God, I did not know shit about certain movies. One thing I will say, and I'm happy to announce this, I'm back on um, Netflix DVD sending out. So now I'm going to be able to get any movie instead of having to watch friggin' Netflix or pay eight bucks uh, for uh, the, the more recent movies. Ever since Blockbuster left, I haven't been able to get old school movies and stuff. So back on the Netflix, now called DVD.com, Good Times. First movie I had sent, I've been off it for like five years, was Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. Remember, we talked about it. We, when you were in town, we talked about that. Yeah, uh, baby. Maniac Mo. If you're uh, into cinema, cinema verite, and you're into amazing kind of uh, really ahead of its time cinematic kind of storytelling, 
rope is where it's at. There's one, there's like a 12 minute scene where the camera is sitting like in a corner and we'll let you get, I know you guys get restless when we don't talk fantasy, but he just throws a camera in the corner and it's like a 12 minute scene where people are talking in another room and whispering and stuff. And it's un, it's not, it's pointed at a wall, a closed closet door. So this guy does a long scene. One was out of, out of its mind. No one did it, but it wasn't even pointed at anything. Not, I think someone walked by it briefly to go to the restroom or something, but it's amazing. Do, do you know, I believe that was the inspiration for Reservoir Dogs. For sure. the, scene where, the scene where they're in the bathroom and it's just like that weird angle shot and it's a long shot and it's like it's in the other room. You're only seeing it through the mirrors and everything. I think that was the inspiration that Quentin Tarantino had to, when he made that shot. Yeah, when he sure. cuts off his ear, I think, is... Uh... No, it's actually it's before that. It's when they're when they're discussing in the other room oh. while he's bleeding out uh, uh, on the steps, uh, and, uh, and it's at the same time where the guy who had his ear cut off is is complaining that I just have my ear cut off, and Tim Ross is like, "I'm dying over here." So I was talking to uh, Christopher Harris today, and again, that podcast will be coming out, the Pyro Light podcast, be coming out this weekend on the Pyro Light podcast. I'm often doing fantasy football talks with uh, some folks in the industry. Uh, but one thing he does from time to time, he just did a, uh, a stag party. I, I know you're not going to be in on this one, but did a top 10 novels literature uh talk that he did and then uh like a, two months ago he did uh top 10 movies of the year or something so uh maybe uh, a little side project we could do uh from time to time rope i don't need no fucking rope what are we gonna fucking use this rope for? <laughs> now that's a fucking movie <laughs> well done sir well done <laughs> all right well let's let's do we have any more uh tight end action are we done with uh ladarius i'm i'm happy to see what happens but uh I'm going to be four years in a row. People have been go, talking about how Ladarius is finally going to do it. He never does it. I'm not buying in even with the move, but I'll move him up my tears. Well, let, well, since we were talking about Ladarius, why don't we go back to the guy that's still staying in San Diego, uh, Antonio Gates, and we can couple that with the guy who they signed out of Cleveland, Travis Benjamin. So, you know, they they get the the, the speedy – inside threat after you lose the dominant speedy only deep threat receiver for his entire career, Malcolm Floyd. Um, You're going to, now you bring in Travis Benjamin. I'm not sure how it's going to work there in San Diego. It it seems to me um, like they don't know what they're doing, just like they don't know where they're going to be playing. Ouch. Well, they certainly need help. Across the board, I mean, that offensive line was beat up last year. There was a couple of games, I think there were uh, four of the five starters were questionable, uh, rotating guys, uh, like a turnstile on the offensive line. I think the yards per carry from both backs, not that Woodhead is much of a, a, of a ball carrier, but I think the yards per carry showed it didn't have much of an offensive line. And you, you saw as the wide receivers were dropping like f- flies, Rivers started out great at the first half, maybe first third or so of the season, and then just fell off a cliff because they didn't have any wide receivers. So I think Benjamin, like you say, it's kind of this mixed up hodgepodge, but uh, I, I, Benjamin, again, one of those wide receivers that I'm going to be interested in with the free agent moves, a guy who is certainly improving at the quarterback spot and a guy that um, arguably, even though he's not going to be wide receiver one, he might be in an offense that might give him more attention 
uh, even though he was a, a main focal point there in Cleveland, I think that offense could work for him all around. I don't know about the Travis Benjamin thing. It's more like, hey, he had 125 targets and he caught you know a lot of them last year. Usually he's been under 50% catch rates in his career. So let's see if that you know catch rate can continue. But they're going to use him in a role. Like Michael Floyd, or you can look at Malcolm Floyd for like the last 10 years and just see, basically, he's getting 100 targets. That's his absolute cap. Like, I think every season for like, he's been healthy, he's had between 90 and 100 targets. So that's a little bit, you know, disconcerting as to where, you know, is that going to be his role? Is he going to be a, only a deep threat? Or the reason he caught so many more passes last season is because they used him in the screen game. They used him in on the slant route. He runs one of the best slant routes in the game because of his speed, but he can't be a one-trick pony getting deep because that's really going to affect his value because his catch rate's just not great on deep balls. I don't think he's going to be a one-trick pony. I think you're going to see a combination of Malcolm Floyd and Eddie Royal is what you're going to see. So the thing that, that I think is interesting is that you talk about his catch rate being at about 50% for his, um, for his career. Well, a lot of that comes with the fact that he was playing in Cleveland with guys that they were only asking him a lot of times just to take the deep shots early on in his career. So as they asked him to do more last year, I think he was able to step up to the plate. And the other thing that works in his favor is Phillip Rivers, as, as – good and bad that everyone keeps going back and forth on him with, he throws one of the best deep balls in the league. He leads his receivers into the past almost better than everybody else. And I think that for Benjamin is going to be one of these things where that, that probably garners him an extra two touchdowns just from having him as his quarterback. Yeah, going from what he had in Cleveland, if he can pull down, uh, catch rate wasn't that great, 59%, and even his uh, yards per target was uh, not incredible, 8.3. Uh, but going from what he had in Cleveland, if he can pull down 68 receptions and 966 yards in Cleveland, Phillip Rivers, I think, can get it done with him. I'm, right. I, I'm liking a Benjamin. I think it's a step up. I, I'm definitely disagreeing with you guys heavily on this one. His targets are going to go down. So, and he's not, he's a 50% pass catcher. And if they only use him on vertical routes, which they intend to do, which that's, they are putting him in the Malcolm Floyd role. They have said this, like, uh, you know, coach speak in this term, the off season can be a bit, you know, hyperbolic. So One day. you got, you got to watch out for that a little bit, but his targets are capped. Keenan Allen's going to be the number one there. And then they're still going to throw to Antonio Gates a ton. They're going to throw to Danny Woodhead a ton. Like he is further down on the pecking order than he was sort of in Cleveland. He is nowhere near the alpha male uh, that he was in Cleveland last year. I mean, I have a problem. I don't, he could catch 50 passes for a thousand yards. Could average 20 yards a catch. Like I don't see that being outside of their own possibility, but to think he catches upwards of, 65 passes I think is going to be a tough tough thing for him I, I I disagree I think they're going to use him in more ways than one um and I think he's going to become like that slot type guy he's going to become that Eddie Royal for him I think D-Rex has something he wants to do well you were saying that you thought he was going to be a hybrid of a couple of players I'm just going to tell you I'm a hybrid of a couple of people too and that's Scott McLaughlin the GM of the Redskins and Charles Bukowski Val Verde Give me, brother. What we call drug is selling Fourth Street Baptist Church 
We call her sin is sin. sin. We're around here between Normandy and Weston. We call this here a little twin and twin twin. Charles Bukowski, uh, famous author, a girl picks him up from the airport, brings him to a college. He's going to do this famous talk. And she said, "Uh, what was it that made you want to be a writer? And he gets all pissed. You don't want to be a writer. Writing chooses you. And then he goes on to vomit out the car window as she's driving him and doesn't even do the gig. Just walks off. Got got pissed and walked away. He was the best. I mean, the books, women, some of I mean, his his books are that man is crazy. He's the uh, L.A., literally a vagabond writer where that guy just goes, starts drinking, breakfast of champions like no other, goes to the track, smokes three packs of cigarettes, probably writes about three paragraphs of his book, then goes and opens whiskey, and then fucks a whore. Oh, that guy was the greatest. Ordinary tales of madness. Yes, yes, yes. Lip it, lip Why? it. Wine a dini. Oh, the bear, the sweet of the juice. It's the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. Yeah, well, yeah. She blacking in the motherfucker too. <laughs> Houdini, if you're gonna drink wine, I, I agree with D Rex. You gotta drink it right from the bottle. <laughs> Harry Farrell style. It's not Boone's Farm. <laughs> MD twenty twenty. No, not that either. <laughs> Just so if you know. I had night train, I'll do that. Yeah, I get one of those. That's no problem. So, so Just so you know, Houdini, I kind of want you to be drinking wine on pot on our shows moving forward, and I want you to be wine a dini in it every time. <laughs> Pretty so epic. We 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 went to this you know little off topic real quick, and then we circled back to tight ends. But let's move to the other free agent. Let's move revisit Marvin Jones going to De- uh, Detroit. And how do you think he's going to fare there? Because that's another one I have mixed emotions about, you know, highly. I'm, I'm not a giant fan. Um, just on a route-per-route route basis, he's not that effective. And, like, it seemed like his whole career with the Bengals, they were like, is he a vertical threat? Is he a short possession receiver? Is he a guy who's going to have a high catch rate? Or is he a guy who's going to average, you know, 16, 15 yards a catch? So, like, I feel like he has a lot of, you know, things he could do, but nothing he does great. And he just had that one four-touchdown game that stands up on his career as being a touchdown scorer, you know? So that's one thing I, I want to see. I don't know if I'll invest in it. I don't really like the guy either, but the one thing that you can be said is the volume. I mean, he does he does go from a, a Dalton to a, a Stafford and you lose one of the great wide receivers of the last nine, ten years in Calvin. So there is a hope. There's an upside there. There is a void that he could fill. Um, not going to say he's going to fill Calvin's shoes. There's a hope. Uh, I'm not going to bet on that hope uh, because I think he'll go um, a lot higher, and his uh, ADP is going to be much higher than the value that it'll return. But there's a hope. Well, and uh, I don't know if the hope is necessarily for him. Calvin Johnson, uh, we're leaving 142 targets on the table to be. But that's the thing. I think it's going to be absorbed by uh, Ebron and Tate and Amir coming out of the backfield. I think it's going to be absorbed by the team, not necessarily just it's not like you can plug in um, Jones and he's going to take all that. I really think it's going to lift the other team up 
as opposed to really um, accelerating his fantasy value. And didn't Riddick have the yeah. most targets of any running back uh, in the league last year? Yep. So you got Rid- Riddick uh, as well, who's a target machine. But when you said that, Mo, and I'll shut up for a minute, but did you say lift the other team or other players on their team? <laughs> it's gonna it, Marvin Jones signing is going to lift the other team. <laughs> <laughs> About two inches to three or four or five, maybe. Here's the thing that I'll say with Marvin Jones. I look at him as he like I like Stagson. He's not a dynamic guy, but give the guy credit. Okay, he had a four touchdown game. He scored a touchdown in six other games that year. Okay, he scored a touchdown in seven out of sixteen games that year. It, it, it wasn't you know that flukish. The other problem is that he plays with AJ Green, and he also played in an offense that was in Hugh Jackson's offense, which was d- predominantly uh, geared toward running backs. So now he's going to an offense that does not have. A dominant running game uh, is is struggling to find that running game and that balance, and he'll get more chances. I'm still I'm, I'm on board. I'm not I'm not buying into into paying up for him in the draft or anything like that. I'm not sure where I have him in my in my tiers right now, but I mean he's probably got to be like in the in the 40s amongst receivers. I mean he still doesn't take that big of a shot up the boards just because of this move. I think it just it makes him a better bi week flex play than it did before. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, in 2013, when he had his 10 touchdown season, he was in Jay Gruden's heavy volume passing offense. That wasn't the, you know, Hugh Jackson's slow offense. So, you know, there's that. But he's not going to get 142. You know, Calvin's target share was 23%. You know, he had a, you know, pretty close to that target share in Cincinnati. I think he was at 21%. He's a guy who's going to get probably 120 targets next year. Maybe he catches 75 passes and, you know, he could up a thousand yards, but how close is he going to come to repeating that sort of, you know, 10 touchdown season? Like Stafford hasn't thrown a lot of touchdowns outside of one season in his whole career, and he still gets boosted up fantasy value for that for that season that was a complete aberration a couple of years ago. Good points. Good points. One thing I want to say quickly before we talk to anybody else, we got I think we got about ten people live on the show right now. Uh, Eleven. There's our guy, Marina. What's up, buddy? Uh, one thing I want to mention is that. Um, as Staggs walks away, we'll talk about him a little bit. Staggs has been working his butt off along with the whole team. Uh, Mo, myself, uh, Houdini, Dogmatica, OC, Alverde, who's on the line here. We're all kicking butt, and we delivered and released our first version of our draft <laughs> kit last night. So if that is not amazing to have a draft kit out on March 9th, I think we beat our own record by maybe two months, but definitely a month and a half. No one else in the industry has their draft kit out. Go check out pyromaniac.com. I'll type this in. Houdini, type that URL in there for uh, Sreek, uh, our buddy. Okay, pyromaniac.com. Check it out. It's 20 bucks. If you buy the first version right now, we are going to be having another version coming out every month up until the drafts in September. So if you drop the money now, automatically when we update to version two, three, four, five, six, I mean, literally, I bet you because we got it done so early today, I think we'll have like six or seven versions. Last year, our la- our, our final version was six that came out, I think, on the 3rd of September. So that was four days before the season started. 
you can't get that kind of action out of a fantasy football magazine. Um, so, and this draft kit, on, it's, it's on a different level. It's got 21 uh, tabs. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a dominator. So if you're here and you're sitting there and you're checking out uh, fantasy football uh, and you're, 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 you're just a, a machine and want to get going, the Pyro 2016 draft kits on a different level. You'll never, ever be going into your draft the same way again. And uh, like I said, you buy it now. It's not like you, you're stuck with that until the season. You'll get automatically emailed every version. What up, Stags? I just wanted to hop in. Last year, we might have technically had six versions, but we also released a 5.2 after that Jordy Nelson injury and Kelvin Benjamin. So maybe it was seven. <laughs> Fair enough, and we're, we're going to get a lot more if we if we do one every month like we did last year. That gives us so many out. I mean, it's crazy. I don't know who's so doing we're going to go on vacation. The NFL draft. Well, I'll tell you the other thing that, that's great is that when you when you get this draft kit now, you know we're doing all the digesting from last year, absorbing all the information that's going on from the the, uh, the draft combine that just happened. Uh, then also digesting now all the free agency information that's going on. When you get this draft kit now, you're getting to see all these things. Then you'll get the next version, which comes out the next month or whatever it comes out. And all of a sudden, then you're going to get, wow, here's how the, here's how the change happened. And now you're really going to, you're, you're going to feel the flow of the entire off season. And by the time that you get to your draft in August, you're going to, you will have been ready to draft about a month and a half, two months before that, if not earlier, and just ready to roll. So this is the thing that get on board. Now it, it just makes the entire off season and, and, and getting up to your draft that much easier and leads to success. And the one thing that I'll say, and uh, you know, we can move on just every once in a while, we got to give pyro promos. Um, we are trying to move ourselves towards making money so we can do this full time. I get a text from uh, Pyromaniac Mo about every three days. Like, God damn, I just want to be doing this full time. Uh, but the one thing that I'll say about this draft kit with the strength schedule and uh, Chubb Chubb McGrub mentions it, but Marino, uh, one of our guys, um, mentioned it a second ago. Is it, the strength schedule by itself is just ridiculous. Um, and the one thing I'll say about the draft kit, and then let's move on and talk about free agents, is this is not a preseason, pre-draft only thing. I literally use the Pyro draft kit every week in season. I use our own website, and you guys should too, but literally in season all the time. I'm going back and I'm referring to something. So it's not like the draft's done and you can just throw it on the, on the shelf and let it start collecting its digital dust. I am using the last version of our draft kit throughout the season as a barometer for pickups to find out things about depth charts, find out all the stat-laden things, and it's it's pros and cons about other players, uh, and it's, it's pretty remarkable. So we put a lot of time into it, and uh, my hat's off to you, Stag Party. Uh, I, I, I gave a I gave a tear jerking uh, response last night for me, and you uh you just you just kill it. Everyone works so hard on it. We're all some of the parts, but the way you're able to work hard and dedicate your time to put that thing together, we appreciate it. And uh, all our listeners and, and people need to go check that thing out because it's it's on a different level. So who else should we talk about on fantasy football here? What's free agency frenzy? Go for it. Well, how about the, the fact that Sam Bradford re-signs with Philadelphia and then new head coach uh, Peterson brings in his guy, who is the backup uh, in Kansas City, Chase Daniel. And when they sign Chase Daniel, they'd say, you know what? You're not coming in as a backup. 
you are coming in to compete for the starting quarterback position. So it's an open competition in Philadelphia. We have seen the Eagles just completely de-chipify themselves and just remove every bit of cancerous leech that was on their body <laughs> and ship them all over the place. And now they're bringing it back together. And we're going to see if, uh, if, uh, if the Pittsburgh, we are family can work in Philadelphia. Well, you know, there's the saying, a chip off the old block. The Eagles right now are in block off the old chip. <laughs> that was Houdini Hume right there. I was harkening back. I, I was harkening, harkening back. back. Today. Harkening back. Harkening back. So, I don't know if Chase Daniel can win this job. Uh, that, that's going to be a real question. And, you know, we got to talk about the aspects of Ryan Matthews moving up on the depth chart a little bit. But he's also sort of on the trade block. I don't know if they pulled him back yet uh, with everything that's happened with since the DeMarco Murray trade. You know, they, they've made every sort of trade they could. <laughs> every, they just ridiculed all these guys. And I don't know if Chase Daniels – a real NFL starter or a very good backup quarterback. That's that's one thing I've got to you know see to believe. You know what what what's your experience like with Chase Daniel? I mean, I haven't seen him since you know basically Missouri. Missouri, yeah. I think he's uh, he annoyed the piss out of me all throughout college and early in his career. But now I kind of like him. I don't know. Uh, Peterson obviously likes him as well. I have him. I think I'm. I think I'm the only one that I had him on my tiers at quarterback before the the, the signing because I knew he was going to sign there. And Bradford's either going to get hurt. Who knows? Who knows? Is he any? Is he any worse than than a Cousins potentially if he gets in there? Yeah, but maybe not. You just don't know. I I, I think he's not draftable uh, unless he wins the job, obviously. But could he be playing six or seven games and being a great streaming quarterback for people that pick him up or have deeper benches? Right? Yeah, he could. Doesn't Philadelphia now feel like the team that you just don't want to own anybody on? Like you just need to stay away from Philadelphia, kind of like the 76ers for like a few years. Yeah. I yeah. I don't want anything with like really with the Eagles, maybe a Jordan Matthews, but outside of that, maybe a Zach Ertz, but I'm not going to touch their quarterbacks no matter who they are. Uh, basically, I don't know how they're going to run the offense. It's going to be a West Coast scheme, but what does that mean for these guys? I, I don't know. You can't trust Chase Daniel coming in from day one and expect him to be any, even like a QB two. He's going to be one of those guys who's on your waiver wire. You got to wait to see it because he's going to be, you know, interesting potentially, but everything – I mean, could he be the next Alex Smith? Sure. But I don't think he's the next Drew Brees. Like, that's who he sat behind before he sat behind Alex Smith. So I, I don't think he's that sort of dynamic of a passer. Um, but I think he's got a little bit of athleticism. I think he can move the pocket. He could do basically things that are good in, in an Alex Smith type of game management type of thing. Like, okay, streamer, maybe. But I've got to see that offense come together a lot before I can consider investing in Sam Bradford or in Justin. Yeah, I'm a late round quarterback, as I know a lot of us are, and I'm not even really having any of the Eagles quarterbacks on my radar, even as a late round quarterback drafter, even as a streamer, if my late round quarterback does not work out, which streaming again, we've talked about this as plan B. Um, the only ones, you know, Zach Hertz got my eye on him. And then the Matthews squared uh, Ryan. It's certainly uh, 
does bode well for him, depending on what they do in the draft. Uh, I do like Ryan Matthews. I'm going to move him up a bit. And then Jordan Matthews, you know, he, he weathered the storm of poor quarterback play last year, uh, nearly had a thousand yards, had eight uh, touchdowns, and that was on a really off year. So I think he is a wide receiver that can still produce regardless of who's there. I don't think it's going to necessarily get worse than last year. So uh, besides Zach Ertz, it's really the Matthews squared boys. And and that's about all I've got my eye on there. Yeah, I, I think Ryan Matthews is a guy that intrigues me a lot now that they let DeMarco Murray go, um, that they're going to give him the confidence to go ahead and do that. And look, and this is a guy who, in his, after his first two seasons in the NFL, everyone thought was going to be a dominant type of a running back. So I, I find that to be an interesting situation. But let me also throw out to Kania, who just threw a Wynadini out there. So you threw a Wynadini, you get yourself a, a sound clip. I'm going to have to fuck you up, Smokey. Playing with my money is like playing with my emotions. You got good emotions going Ryan on, buddy. Ryan Dini is, 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 it might be the best thing that came out of this whole podcast tonight. This is, this might be, this might be sticking around like herpes after dating, uh, the porn star Venus. This one's sticking around. Uh, a, a, a clown in the closet. Yeah, clown in the closet for sure. Um, <laughs> how about oh, bringing it back? You know, another guy who's, you know, potentially interesting there. You know, are you going to have any faith in Nelson Aguilar or with those quarterbacks? No chance. Not for me. No way. I was still sort of on the Nelson Aguilar train um, a bit, but you know what? I don't think they're going to get it. He's going to get it done. He was a David T. Thomas favorite. David T. Thomas, uh, NFL scout for years and years, said he was the best route runner he's seen in uh, 10 years. And just didn't translate. Not to say that he can't get it done down the line, but as is often the case with wide receivers going into college, much of their career is going to be sort of made or, or broken by the quarterback that's there. And I don't think Aguilar's got, uh, got the quarterback in his corner for him to really take that step. It almost feels like, to me, the Eagles and uh, Jeffrey Lurie, a, a man that I've said this before on the Pyro podcast, I used to clean his gutters. This, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, I was a, Is that a guy. euphemism? No, I, I'm being dead serious. <laughs> I, the, any, any sort of, uh, any sort of like, and experimenting that I had was really young, but it wasn't in college. It was even before then. Uh, it was back when I was uh, a thespian. Um, I mean, didn't you want to join the uh, the cheerleading crew just to be able to look up their – wait, where am I going with this? But I did clean his gutters. Uh, it's true. I think that he might be trying to sell low. I mean, they got nothing, literally nothing for DeMarco Murray. They got a fourth-round draft pick for him. And they gave DeMarco and a fourth. That's ridiculous. They got literally nothing for him. Um, so I think he's trying to maybe move that team out of Philadelphia and get down to L.A. with all the rest of them. What? Or maybe he, go, maybe he wants to go to the Rams. He's doing something. What? I'm seeing that whole team. I, How I, many I mean, of those Valverde's have you had? They're trying to get out of Philadelphia. You heard it here first. What? Uh, right. what? Let's talk. But, but, I'm, I'm, 
you know I like the math. Go, go ahead before I, we get into the next guy. Before we move on real quick, uh, as I said, the Matthews squared. And uh, I was talking with Christopher Harris. I, I mentioned it again. Pyro Light Podcast coming up with uh, C. Harris. He, he was talking about yards per carry and how it's one of the stats that he just doesn't like. Uh, everybody's throwing out Melvin Borden and, and a poor yards per carry. But, of course, nobody uh, on the San Diego Chargers had – uh, over uh, 4.0 yards per carry. Danny Wood had a 3.5. Um, so he, he was saying, you know, yards per carry is more indicative of the line and other factors. However, if you look at Ryan Matthews, 5.1 yards per carry. DeMarco Murray behind the same line, 3.6. Darren Sproles, 3.8. So Ryan Matthews, he uh, I still have some interest in him depending on where I can get him in a draft. And, and their line just got better today with the signing from the Texans guard. But the thing is with Ryan Matthews, you got health, major health questions. And that's going to be the thing. Like everybody's going to be, he missed time last year with health reasons. You know, he's got a history of concussions, got a history of knee injuries. He's got what glass clavicles. So, you know, all those things are going to come together to where maybe you're drafting him as a running back too. uh, you know, late a little bit who, who could potentially pay off for you. But that offensive line, he just runs better out of shotgun than, you know, DeMarco Murray. You could look at the stats last year uh, on the, the shotgun versus eye formation, you know, under center splits and, and just the different, you know, things there. Plus, you're still going to get passing down work from Sproles. You know that. And they're going to bring somebody else in probably in the draft uh, just because that's how they do it. I mean, I think they're going to be a team that has – a lot of different running backs there. Maybe, you know, Spencer Ware comes over from the Chiefs or they find a guy similar to that, you know, between Nile Davis and Sharkhandrick Russ, it seems like they've got eight backup running backs from the Chiefs. Maybe one go to the Eagles. And we know that Sproles is always underestimated in fantasy football. What if they're just like, you know what, Sproles, this old little fella, we're just going to give him the ball more in the passing and the running game. No, you he's know? 33, not in the run game. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. I, I, they're they're going to LA. I'm telling you. Um, okay, we, let's get out of there. Let's go to another guy that uh, we talked about earlier. Uh, Dogmatic had a couple good nicknames for him. Uh, a man that I know I thought uh, was kind of leaning towards splitting, um, and that's Doug Martin. Doug Martin, the muscle hamster that doesn't want to be called the muscle hamster. We'll all give a couple of our favorite nicknames for him. Uh, as we talk about him here, but uh, ends up signing a pretty rich deal for running back, $35.8 million over five years, uh, what is it, 15 guaranteed, um, sticking around. So he's in on the Cotter. He's in on the Dick Cotter. Welcome back, Dick Cotter situation. Um, Lovey Smith is gone. <laughs> Offensive. Uh, Allen. He's the Illinois head coach now. I know, isn't that crazy? $21 million. That kid, he's, still, he's still getting paid. Illinois is paying, what, half of his salary from last, from what he had remaining on. That guy, is he's going to be a $115 million salary coach by the time he's done with this thing. That guy's just making money. Now, the best part is that Lovey Smith signed, what I think it was like a six-year, $26 million contract, but they they front-loaded the contract low So like because he got two years left on his Tampa Bay deal. So they're only paying him like two million per year in his first two years because Tampa Bay is still have to pick up whatever the difference is on his job until them. So there's they're sapping Tampa Bay for the first two years and then they're paying him Illinois money and the rest of it. So it's like uh 
it's a pretty sweet deal for Lovey. Well, the New York Mets are still paying Bobby Bonilla for his contracts. <laughs> this is this is not the worst. It's not the worst deal for for uh, for teams in in the world. But I've I've got a theory, and then I'm going to shut up about Lovey Smith, and I'll probably never ever talk about him again. I think this guy. And we've talked about how beautiful. I mean, disgusting his wife is look to look at. I think this guy just doesn't. He works. He takes a job like the day after he's fired. That guy just doesn't want to have to sleep in the same bed with his wife. <laughs> hey, it happens. Sorry, honey. I got to go to work. Where are you? I'm at work. What, where are you? Studying film. Where are you? I'll see you when we, I'll see you in like a year. All right. So, I mean, what, 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 what 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 can you expect from Doug Martin? Are you expecting seasons one and season four? Are you expecting a little bit of season two and three? Are you expecting in the middle? Because that's sort of where I lie. It's like, I'm in the middle. I'm lukewarm. I'm going to move Doug Martin down for staying. We know that offensive line wasn't that great last year. I don't know if they're going to be as committed to running the ball uh you know, long-term, or if they're going to let Jameis air it out a little bit more with healthier receivers, because they're a team I think is going to add potentially a receiver through the draft. And then, you know, with Vincent Jackson, Mo's boy, hopefully back in the mix a little bit more, and Mike Evans learning how to catch the ball, you know, they might try to air it out. And then you got development from ASJ. You got other guys, Charles Sims, uh, Kenny Bell, who was injured for most of last year. Uh I won't even say that Dante dies name again because he was worthless. But you know, maybe they don't run it as much next year. Yeah, that's kind of my worry. It, the amount of offensive players and offensive weapons they have there, uh, an, an up and comer like Charles Sims, who who really looked great last year, and uh, like you said, the sandwich with. Uh, Dougie Martin there with uh, his his rookie season and then last year and then the falling off he battled some injuries but really fell off a cliff uh, in those two years in between 2013 2014 you know give me a Lamar Miller any day over that I think there's some steady work there I know you guys were talking about the Lamar Miller Doug Martin debate uh, but since Martin is staying and he's got Charles Sims and he's got all those other guys. I'm going to take a Lamar Miller. I already had Miller ranked higher, but I am all about Miller over a Martin uh, as of today. I, I will tell you this. I'll tell you that um, Lamar Miller might have a higher ceiling potential, but at the same time, the, the floor is much lower. I think with Doug Martin re-signing, to me, it's the stability. I like the stability. I like what they're doing. You have a, a young core group. Remember, too, they drafted, what was it, like I think it was like – Three offensive linemen last year, and I want to say like two of them were in the first three rounds. So they have guys that are developing and going to be even better for him as it, as it goes on. And you have Austin Safarian Jenkins, who was not healthy through the first half of the season last year as well. You have Jameis Winston, who has proven that, if anything, he is a leader. He comes in there and he really shows leadership qualities. He commands the huddle. He commands the team. He works hard. He, he's the first guy in. He's the last guy to leave. You know, so you have all these tan- intangibles that are there. And I think that's why he wanted to stay. I think when you look at all the young talent, at the, again, in this division too, right now it's Carolina, right? But after that, are you, are you fearful of New Orleans? Are you fearful of Atlanta? You have a chance. And with the wild card, you definitely have a chance. So 
I, I'm telling you, I, I like what they got going on there right now. I mean, I just have to disagree with you on the floor thing. Doug Martin's got a craptastic floor to where he could yeah. rush for 500 yards in a season. I mean, outside of, you know, Lamar Miller's rookie season, you know, where he played yep. nine games, you know, his floor is much more well-established to where he's going to be like in the seven, 800 yard range where Lamar or uh, Doug Martin's had two 400 yard rushing seasons. Like, so I don't know, like, Doug Martin could finish number two or number 200. Well, Lamar Miller could finish number, you know, five or number 100. Like, I, I think the realms of possibility for Lamar Miller are, you know, much more compact than they are for Doug Martin. Well, I, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, health is the ultimate weapon, right? And being able to stay healthy is the ultimate also uh, roulette wheel. You you don't know. So when you when you look at the fact of that Lamar Miller, ha, who has been shielded and not had all these touches and everything, he's going to get exposed to injury like he never has before. Doug Martin at least has been down that road. So he was able to stay healthy last year through a great season. So with all the young pieces that they have in place and the fact that they are transitioning their team into a, a, a much stronger uh, run offense and, and, and a much more cohesion into everything that they're doing. Think about what he was in those two years where it was 400 yards. They were a shit offense. They didn't have anything going for him. It was only until they got Mike Evans two years ago that it was like, wow, we can throw the ball up there. And look, Mike Glennon can throw touchdown passes. So, I mean, he wasn't playing on dynamic offenses is all I'm saying. I think he's got a much better situation today. The thing is, along with being injured, he also averaged 3.6, 3.7 yards a carry. Like, you know, we don't know what Lamar Miller is, but the fact is he could potentially be one of the backs who's drafted a little bit later who has a potential to finish, you know, RB1, RB2 maybe, because this is a Houston offense that sort of has produced those guys. And their run blocking units outside of, you know, Alfred Blue, who's a bum, produced some effective yard per carry guys. So. I would rather have Lamar Miller than Doug Martin. I just think it, it, it's a very interesting debate. This is one of the closest debates we've had in fantasy football recently. But but here's here's the here's the one question I have for you guys is that I understand what you're saying, but you're saying I would rather have Lamar Miller when it comes to this because where I'm going to get him. But the fact that now that he's in Houston and with what the knowledge everyone's feeling about him. How much of a difference do you think it's going to be in draft picks between Doug Martin no. and Lamar Miller? And I think when it comes to it, it might be it might be one to three draft picks or one to three running back taken, which could be a maximum of four to five draft picks. That's the thing, though, and I don't I don't think there's going to be much of a difference at all. I mean, if you're going to want him, you can't wait around to come back. He's going, either guy is going to be gone. They're going to be gone with a round of each other. And I'm with Stags. I think that the floor is better with Miller. And what I want to do is reduce my risk in early rounds, uh, especially with running back. I, I, I want to be very risk averse in those early running uh, running back early rounds. I'm going to swing for the fences later with my running backs, but that's why I'm going wide receiver early. Uh, and then if I'm taking running backs, I want a guy with a high floor. And just looking at Doug Martin, you know, two seasons below 500 yards, two seasons below four yards per carry. 
Lamar Miller's never had that, never gone below four yards per carry. Lamar Miller, besides his rookie year, um, which, okay, rookie year, whatever, but besides that rookie year, never gone below 700 yards in a season. So to me, the floor is with Miller and early round picks. I'm risk averse. I think Miller is less risk. I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, as a person who owned Lamar Miller last year, let me tell you for a guy, what did he finish? Was it the number six running back? I, I think you guys Five said? and six. It was the it was the most undynamic number six running back I've ever had in my entire life. He scored most of his points in about three games, and the rest of the games were, were kind of just mediocre and, and whatever from a fantasy standpoint. So I look at it this way. I'm not going to draft either of these guys because I am probably going to draft at least two wide receivers to start and not draft my running backs until later. So there's no way that I'm getting a Lamar Miller or a Doug Martin in rounds three, four, or five. Uh, they're going to be gone before that. So, I, I to me, I, if I'm going to choose one that I want, I want the one that's with the whole system that's going together. I want the one where they've drafted all these uh, uh, offensive linemen to protect the quarterback and to open holes for the running back, and they're, and they're building and, and developing a system. So I'm going Tampa. I'll take Doug Martin. If you guys want to take a bet, and listen to I'm gonna, I'll be happy if I lose this one in, in either way because I own Lamar Miller and he's going to be a dominating factor for me in the league. But I ban Lamar Miller. Houdini, you're getting some bad internet connection. You're you're you're, you're rolling up. Um, is anyone else hearing that, or we find it should be good? Go ahead, Stag Party. Houdini, we'll have to make a bet on that. You know, once everything sort of gets sold down, you know, Doug Martin versus Lamar Miller, straight up fantasy points. Like, they're going to be drafted right around each other. You know, as you said, like, these guys are going to be neck and neck. This is one of the closest debates, you know, so far of the offseason, something I'm very interested in to see who everybody has sort of higher and how it sort of progresses. Uh, But that's all I have to say about it. I mean, I think Doug Martin has some warts that scare me a little bit. And, yeah, of course, Lamar Miller has some, too. But Lamar Miller's warts are like, what if they don't give him more carries? Or what if he breaks down with more carries? Like, you know, one of those could be lost that, I think. Uh, So just sort of moving on, you know, there's any other offense – Offensive skill players we want to touch on? Any other guys you like? Well, just to, you know, and I'm with you Put a, to put a, a, a exclamation point on this. Uh, I'm with you, Stags, and, you know, Lamar Miller. But both guys did play 16 games. Both guys had six top 12 performances in PPR. So it is neck and neck. They're going to go neck and neck. But the way I see it, Lamar Miller, higher floor, you want to go less risk early on. And you know what? Chances are, because most of us are late round QB guys, or I'm sorry, um, uh, running back later, you know, wide receiver early, chances are we're not even going to get a Lamar Miller or a Doug Martin. Yeah. I might. I might. I'm, I'm always on the coming out even you know, sort of early, one one running back, one wide receiver. That's just me. I mean, it all depends on how the draft board falls. Is buddy? I know you're a, you're a take the best player available, but just pl- putting your cap on now, and we know plenty of things change. Where where do you, where could you see yourself going? Uh, with the, you're more of a Lamar Miller than a Doug uh, Martin guy, right? So where could you see yourself if you're 
if you're in a 12-man league and you had the second pick overall, could you see yourself taking him uh, in that late second round? I don't even know if he's around them. I think he's going to be around, like, picks 15 to 18. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to draft Lamar Miller in the second round. I mean, I, I think he's an interesting prospect. I Like, Mo thinks that he's got a safe floor, which I don't give a shit about early in the draft because I'm swinging for the fences. I think he could finish, you know, with how the running back situation has sort of changed in the landscape. Could I see Lamar Miller finishing with more points than Devonta Freeman last season and finishing as, like, running back number one? Yeah, like, that's the reason I take a running back early. Like, the difference between getting a running back early and just getting, you know, a ton of fantasy points from Lamar Miller is the reason I would take a chance. And See, that's interesting. I mean, I'm still on board with, with Lamar, but uh, w- with the floor thing, and you're saying you're swinging for the fences, and maybe that's um, some draft philosophy we get into a, a bit, but going wide receiver early, I think the thought behind it, at least from, from my perspective, is that you, you've got so much um, – unknowns with the with the running backs you've got injuries you've got guys falling down look at all the movement that happened with running backs uh this last year guys getting injured uh eddie lacy and guys not living up to performance whereas wide receivers you draft a wide receiver early chances are they are living up to what you expected running back it's more of a crapshoot so that's why i want to be less uh, uh risky early on in the draft and locking up uh, i'm thinking i'm going two wide receivers they're just scoring so many points i'm going two wide receivers uh, right off the bat now i'm still with you uh, best available and you know that may change if i've got the first couple of picks in the draft but i would rather go risk averse early on swing for the fences later and that's why i'm going wide receiver early because there's less risk there R- running backs is just too much that can happen injuries guys fall off the, the wagon and not produce wide receivers pretty safe Yep. Uh, I, 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 I agree. I think I agree with both you guys, to be honest. I would roll the dice on a Lamar Miller, and if he plays 16 games and gets the carries that we think he is, he could just be the guy. Uh, I, 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 but at the same time, uh, it could be uh, could be like giving a girl an orgasm and having her squirt on your face. She's peeing on you. Valverde! Giving a girl a what? <laughs> well, I don't fuck. That was good. So sorry. Any other interesting free agent signings you guys like? I was just bullshitting, and you know this, man. He's like so delayed that uh, I don't know what's going on with him over there. I know. Houdini's got to fix his uh his internet connection for future blabs. Definitely a little bit shoddy. Well, it is. It could be yours too because I'm getting all the same reverb that you're getting. No, it's yours. We've we've all stayed on. It's yours. <laughs> Three to one. Uh, so okay. going going back. Any other free agents you guys liked? Anything under the radar you thought was interesting? I mean, there's still a ton of you know mid tier running backs available. You know, besides that though, it's sort of ugly. I'm going to have to to sign off this party pretty quick, but I do kind of have two questions for you. Uh, One, Sanu going to Atlanta, Marvin Jones going to the Lions. What what do you guys think that does with AJ? I mean, he's already so high up. Um, 
it's not going to, I don't know if it's, it's necessarily going to matter, uh, but maybe does that detract from him? Uh, what are your thoughts with AJ Green losing wide receiver two and three? I have no thoughts on it. Well, I think, I think that it, uh, it's tough. He's going to get a lot more attention now. And, and this is uh, Hugh Jackson's no longer there. So now you're asking them to focus on the running game. Um, I, I think Cincinnati is, kind of in a situation that they did, did not expect themselves to be in unless they have some uh, other deep trade aspects that they, I don't know about that they're going to bring somebody in because there's not any dynamic offensive players in this draft class that they're going to be able to grab that are going to just make you go, oh, wow, okay, we got we got the solution for all these people that are gone. I, I, I think like, there's a couple. I like Corey Coleman. I think he could help them out. And obviously, obviously I think the person that this helps out the most, the departure, is Eifert, who already showed what he can do last year. Obviously, he's touchdown dependent, and that's going to come down. But he actually had two a lot of games where he had like 30 catches, uh, 30, um, three catches for 30 yards and two touchdowns, where I think his targets, his catches, and his yards go up if he can stay healthy because he's a beast. I mean, I, he only had 600 some odd yards receiving last year. I know. Year. Yep. Uh, that's what – I think Eifert's going to have a little bit of step up in targets and yardage and, you know, just receptions. I think that's definitely a possibility. But they're going to bring somebody in. I think they, in the first round there's a couple guys that will be of interest to them. Um, and I'm going to have to go – like I'm a big, my biggest wide receiver right now ahead of Laquan Treadwell is Josh Jackson, just because of the things he could do making contested catches that you know other guys in this class sort of can't do. Uh, you know he's not the fastest guy. He's not you know the most polished route runner. Even though he's a very good route runner, he just makes catches when it matters. He can go up and get it. He's got solid speed. He's vertical threat. You know, he just does everything well. He sort of reminds you of a little bit slower A.J. Green to where that could bring a huge amount of verticality to this offense. But it's the draft. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I, I agree. I, but I think that doesn't that make him a little more similar? Like, isn't that isn't that too close to A.J.'s game? We'll see. I think right no, now. Having too many vertical threats in the NFL. I personally, I like to have a giant. If you've got a guy like Eifert and you got a player like AJ, I'd like to get a speedy, shifty, quick in and out, a smaller type of player that can do something different. Um, but doesn't mean I'm right. Uh, but the one thing I'll say, and then I think we can close this show down. I think we're running about two hours on this one, which is par for the course on our blabs. Hit the new though. You know us, what's that? Can we hit the new real quick. Yeah, it's a new, and then I, and then I think what I'd like to talk at the end is just possible landing spots for um, the Denver Broncos opening situation as well. I think, but go yeah, it's a new. I'm not a big Sanu fan either. He's more of a gadget player. You know, you're a little bit scared of what he could do. Uh, you know, is he going to come in and be a wide receiver too, or is he like I think Sanu is a wide receiver three on an actual football team and not your fantasy team, and not a guy like he's a five for fifty guy. You're never going to want to play, and he he doesn't really have a lot of touchdown upside. And you know, maybe if Julio is out for a game, you can consider plugging him in because you've seen what he's been able to do with a little bit of volume. But you know, I'm not a Sanu supporter, I guess. <laughs> 
What do you guys think? Uh, I liked Gary Gannu more than I like uh, Sanu. <laughs> Anyone know Gary Gannu? Is that Zoom? Yeah, no, no Gannu's is good Gannu's without Gary Gannu. <laughs> Thank you, Houdini. You're not. You're the, I'm not the only crazy one on the show. Um, hey, I'm not a big fan. I think um, he's he's obviously in a in a in, in it has free agency happening at the right time when there's not too many too much talent at the position. In all yeah, honesty, one, one million best less in a free agency. One million less than Marvin Jones, which sort of seems outrageous. Uh, so what what are let's so Roddy, where where are they saying he might show up? Where um the, the, you know absolutely no fantasy impact. True. True. Very true. Um, who are some of the other guys that are that are, that are still, oh, Bolden? Can can my boy Bolden go to the Patriots or is he sticking? Uh, I I love Bolden. I still love that guy. Maybe he goes back and reunites in Baltimore. That'd be my best fit for him. That's just me. I guess we're having some uh, internet connections right now. Uh, Houdini can only hear me. Um, so I think which gives me no information whatsoever. I, I, got, no you, I got you. Well, here, Mo keeps bouncing in and out, so I don't know what's happening. Uh, who knows what it is? Uh, but let's quickly just shut this party down. If there's anyone you guys want to talk about, uh, quickly, hopefully, my boy, uh, um, hopefully, Bolden. I want Bolden to sign with Brady. Uh, I'm glad that they didn't get any of these middle of the road Richard Matthews and Sanus and all the news I was hearing this week because it was going to be no different than Dobson and LaFell and all the and, and Amendola and all the mediocrity they've been uh, trying to fill in at that position, anyways. Uh, but I, I think one last thing I want to do, and then you guys can throw in your two cents on this and any other free agents you want to do, and then let's shut this party down. Is um, you know, could Fitzpatrick? Go to Denver. What happens? We talked a little bit about if Kaepernick is in Denver. What happens there? Um, RG3, Denver, or is he going to be the backup in Dallas? Where it could, could RG3 have a resurgence to his career? What, let's let's kind of just that's, – that's where I would want to end it. What can happen with the Denver? The Denver's got the best defense. They've got probably still the top three wide receiver uh, crews. Um, in the league, and uh, what do you guys think can happen there? Go ahead, uh, go ahead, Houdini. All right. So, first of all, to to your point of, um, you know, what, what what's going to happen with uh, Anquan Bolden, where if he ends up somewhere else? How about, did Anquan Bolden pull the ultimate dupe move on Tory Smith when he convinced him to sign with the San Francisco 49ers. He's like, hey, man, come on here to the coast, play with me. It'll be great. We got all this, all this great stuff, Colin Kaepernick and the whole deal. And, yeah, well, of course, it's always million. about the money. He wasn't <laughs> It's always about the money. Corey Smith ain't complaining, bro. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. So, and what was your other What was your other uh, question with, with uh, which other? It's magic. Good. Okay, so people are saying they're nowhere close okay. with the Jets. So, all of a sudden, could Elway go in and be like, Hey, you're at the twilight of your career. We got one of the best teams. I'd like to see you ride out, and we, you can win the next three Super Bowls. And then all of a sudden, if Fitzmagic is throwing the coat in the ball in mile high, that could be ridiculous. What do you got, Stags? 
I'm pointing to Houdini. <laughs> okay, Houdini, what do you got? So if it's magic goes to Denver, it could be perfect. Think about the ultimate uh, statement for John Elway, the aging guy who won two Super Bowls late in his career. What if he said? What if he's able to say, "I got two old ass motherfucking quarterbacks, and I rode them into the Super Bowl with a defense that was so dominant," which he could still end up doing, even though they've lost Malik Jackson and uh, Trevathan. They still got a lot of talent on that defense. You still got Demarcus Ware. You still got Derek Wolf. You still got Von Miller. You still got all these, you know, TJ Ward. You still got Chris Harris. You still got Akeem. Right, you don't need to line up the whole team. So that's what I'm saying is that if Fitzpatrick goes there, they have a chance to win another Super Bowl. I, I think Elway. Uh, you know, could easily take a Fitzpatrick uh, far more than an RG3. Well, I'm interested to see where RG3 could go. I think there might be some something there. I, I think there could be something there. We we just saw too much got injured. Uh, I'd be interested, but I don't think Denver's the fit. I don't think uh, that they would take him. They had the Tebow debacle. Uh, I don't think they're going to take an RG3. I think they could do a Fitzpatrick, but I really think Elway with the ego going to look for something in the draft and want to cultivate a young franchise quarterback maybe a Fitzpatrick to sort of bridge the gap for the next two years but I'm looking for them to get someone in the draft and, and cultivate a quarterback and I think Elway that's right up his alley for something he wants to to grow and you know be the 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 uh, engineer behind all of a sudden it would change any negative press where LA today said verbatim we want people to be on the Denver Broncos we want we want players to move forward with the wannabe Denver Broncos so obviously it's a big move Peyton retires yesterday or two days ago, and then Brock, who was going to be his replace, is is the next frontier. He was going to be the Aaron Rodgers to the Brett Favre jettisons. Uh, right now, the team coming off a high is sitting there like, "Wow, this is not good." For him to swoop in and them just to give the cash to uh, Fitz Magic, all of a sudden, um, Windini is 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 the name here. But I guarantee you one thing right now, and then all you, uh, Stags, you and your Vulcan, we come Nanu Nanu, uh, is I guarantee you, as long with Houdini, uh, that, that um, John Elway is drinking wine right now as well. Maybe smoking weed, too. It's legal. So a couple things I disagree about is the RG3 fit potentially in Denver. No, he's, he's LA bound. No. Let me – just hear me out. Let's see, because let's see, Gary Kubiak's a uh, disciple of Mike Shanahan last time I checked. Mike Shanahan loves RG3. RG3 had his best season of his career under Mike Shanahan. Uh, RG3 is a mobile quarterback, which is required in a bootleg system run by Gary Kubiak. The zone read quarterback uh, provides extra running lanes for running backs. Yeah, this sounds like a pretty goddamn fit. The defense is great, and RG3 has had one of the best completion percentages through the first three years of his career of any quarterback in the history of the NFL. Uh, RG3 has a great rushing attempt if he's still got the legs to do that. Um, and then there's just the fact that if he makes the running backs better and they've got the defense to support him, along with an improved offensive line with the, that these guys have already spent time adding on over the last you know couple days of free agency, just adding to this offensive line. RG3 would be a great fit in Denver. Can they convince him to go there over the bright lights of L.A.? Now, that's a totally different question. Plus, you know, L.A. gave a first-round tender 
on Case Keenum because they don't want to lose him. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of things like they might be set with Case. Like, I don't know what they're doing there. They're losing everybody from their defense. You know, they're losing, you know, Janora Jenkins and they're losing, they cut uh, Chris Long, you know, cut James Laurinaitis, lost McLeod today. They, they lost a ton of defensive players off one of the best units in the league. I, I, I don't know. This is a interesting sort of debacle, but I love the fit of RG3 should he go to Denver. I like it. Well, I, I, I should have shut up and let you go because I thought you were going down the dip, totally the opposite path. Um, but that's all good information. And I'm excited for RG3 to do something. As much as everyone's hating him and even more news came out today with from um, Chris Cooley or whatever, that just the oh. reason why he – they, why why the team hated him so much and the offensive linemen and the wide receivers. I want RG3 to do it. I want him to figure out a way. He's not – he's young. He's a talented mofo. Um, so I, 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 that would be – if RG3 went there and then all of a sudden had that resurgence and next year is a dominator, that would be exciting for me. That would be exciting for, obviously, uh, Denver fans. But I'm, I want him. I'm rooting, I'm rooting for him to have something – um, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but Fitz magic would be really exciting too. More so for the talent that's already there and dynasty owners that own, uh, a Demarius. I mean, dog said it today on one of our text threads and today's news with maybe Kaepernick being the replacement is the worst news ever for dynasty owners of Demarius Thomas. Yeah. I mean, basically I, I got to agree. There's a lot of different, you know, aspects to look at, but did you see the Brian Arakpo tweet back to Chris Cooley? <laughs> that was one of the wow. good ones of the day. Basically, you know, he came out, Chris Cooley came out and said, you know, these guys hated RG3. So Arakpo's response to that was, fuck Chris Cooley. He needs to shut his motherfucking mouth before I come over there and whoop his ass. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I like it. So is that go ahead. There's a lot of different aspects of the drama is going to follow RG three, no matter where he goes. And he sort of brings that on himself, sort of like LeBron, like wherever LeBron James goes, like the drama is going to follow him. Like the shit that's going on with LeBron. Now you could just sort of see it. And it's just following him all, you know, over and RG three is going to be a bit of the same way. Now he needs to do that something to his own sort of rep and shut his fucking mouth wherever he goes next. Uh, you know, somebody he needs to hire a new publicist, obviously. Um, you know, let's see. I, I'm interested. That's one of the biggest storylines to follow follow for the rest of the offseason, in my opinion. All right. I think we've done great work here. Is there anyone that you want to close out with? Um, well, I know Mo and Houdini, the right side, they're like, yep, let's go. And it's an hour later where you are, uh, my man, Pyromaniac Mo. So it's been awesome. I think we've covered a ton of stuff. As usual, please subscribe to us here on the show. PK Ripper, buddy. Sorry you popped on right when we were closing this party down, but I think we went at about two hours and 15 minutes here, and we had some good um, free agent uh, discussion. You'll you and anybody else, I'm going to be posting this tonight as a, a, a Pyro Podcast Heavy. So on any platform, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, 
We're on Stitcher. We're on Spreaker. Uh, hopefully this Google thing pops up and play podcast platform pops up pretty soon. We're going to be moving. Me and uh, Mo are working pretty soon um, this weekend on getting us over to Blog Talk Radio and all sorts of good stuff. So you'll be able to listen to this blab as a podcast as you normally listen to any of our podcasts. Daisy's starting to wake up from her little nap. Good girl. Uh, and uh, I got I got we got Mo Mosey that got daddy duty or wifey duty going on right now. Shut it down, buddy. We love you, dude. Hop on. You're the man. All right, boys. It's been a pleasure. And uh, until the next time, we will uh, continue the fantasy talk later. All right, buddy. Uh, again, last thing I'll say, stag party. You're good, Mo. Talk to you later. Um, stag party. Well done on the draft kit. Guys, if you're listening to this, go pick it up. It's friggin' amazing. Uh, Houdini, you're the man, dude. Uh, love the backdrop. Love your um, number 19 White Sox hat. It's a nice one. And it's good to see you growing the beard again. Uh, and then, I've had a beard forever. Oh, <laughs> uh, I th- Fine. I haven't been paying attention, I guess. <laughs> you guys, will you guys say something nice to me for once, please? I like your blue shirt better than your, than your 49er jersey. Yeah. You've got, you've got great hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have respect for Montana, though. I, the reason why I wore this, because I thought Dog was going to be on. Manny might have retired, but Montana's still goader than him. <laughs> All right, guys. I love you. Good stuff. Pyro Podcast out. Fans, if you're listening right now on this blab, subscribe to us. Check us out on twitter.com forward slash P Y R O M A N, the number one AC. Facebook.com forward slash Pyromaniac. Pyromaniac.com. Let's do this. We're getting stuff done, getting it going. Pyro out. Much love to all. Bye bye. Raise the roof. Here, wait, one, one last thing for you. Peace. Later. Later.